Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Tonight, we are breaking down every single Sunday afternoon game from an eventful week 11. I love the 1 p.m. slate. 4 p.m., not so much, dare I say, one of the worst groups of three games we've ever seen. But as we always say here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, even the worst day full of football, still better than no day full of football. So as always, I am joined by none other than Dwayne, the Rock McFarland, PFF's own shining star. Dwayne, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm with you. Like I, even the early slate kind of started off crappy, but it like it heated up, you know, in the second half. We got some some nice finishes, got some nice bursts of fantasy production. And then we were so excited for my Dallas Cowboys to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Anyway, we'll just we'll move forward. Bro, I'm That's just what we can do, Ian. We just I'm, we just move forward. We got like a game of the week curse going on. We had Cowboys Chiefs this week, Packers Seahawks last week, and then Packers Chiefs before that. So whatever you're doing, picking America's game of the week, Fox, uh, figure it out because we want these to be a little bit better. But as always, on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, I will be going through the games, talking about some things I was able to see as it was going on, some big moments, some sheesh moments where big plays could have happened, but you might not catch it in the box score. Also, go through some injuries. As we know it right now, we're recording this at about 8.20 p.m. Eastern as the Sunday night game's going. Get with the cool stat and then throw it on over to Dwayne, who has all sorts of great utilization notes that you guys are probably here to listen for in the first place. So, Dwayne, let's kick things off with the Browns convincingly taking down the Lions 13-10, to 10, Detroit covering as a 13.5-point dog, under catches with ease at 42.5, you know, Tim Boyle, Baker Mayfield was not the worst quarterback on the field uh, today. That's about the nicest thing we can say about him. Tim Boyle does take that honor. Talked up, you know, we didn't talk up Tim Boyle. I was hoping he could be entertaining because he's been a gunslinger and his limited preseason action wasn't even entertaining in this one. 77 yards on 23 pass attempts, two interceptions. Obviously, we had Jared Goff not playing in this one due to the oblique injury. It could keep him sidelined for Thursday. If it does keep him sidelined for Thursday, seriously, people, do not be afraid to sleep in and not worry about that noon game because it was rough in this one. Basically, only redeeming quality of the Detroit Lions was DeAndre Swift. 14 carries, 136 yards and a touchdown. Got most of that on a 57-yard jaunt where, man, Dwayne, you know, we've talked about this. When Swift is in open field, he does look different at times. This was one of those. Made a nice cut back and just exploded all the way to the end zone. And we also had everyone's favorite, maybe your second favorite, you know, depending on the Miami fans out there, but one of your favorite Deuce egg tight ends from week 10 came back in style, kind of. TJ Hawkinson, six catches, 51 scoreless yards. He was the only Lions receiver with more than 20 yards. Probably already talked about that more than I needed to, but going on over to the Browns, yeah, Baker, 176 yards, one touchdown with a pair of ugly interceptions. It's just kind of what we've seen from this offense all year. It's not, you know, maybe, maybe you believe it is an Odell Beckham problem. Whatever you think it is, through their last in their last eight games since September ended, the Browns have scored more than 17 points twice. They have not been able to move the ball at all. It's been brutal. One of their touchdowns was a wide open play action toss to Nick Chubb. Love to see that. The other one was a busted trick play kind of where Jarvis Landry wanted to throw the ball. Then he decided to be a baller, kept it himself and ran in for a 16 yard touchdown. So Austin Hooper, 53 yards, only guy over 50 yards receiving in this passing game. And as we told you all week, it's unfortunate that we can't get behind anyone in here, even in a prime matchup like this. It's just the way things are going in this Cleveland Browns offense. So I'm just happy. We do have Nick Chubb grinding out there. 130 yards only had a long of 15 on 22 carries. Like it was just one 
solid gain after another tied with Jonathan Taylor for a week high six force missed tackles on the ground. Dwayne, usually I send it over to you here, and then we go back to me for the PFF lowest stat. I think it's a little awkward. It's not the best. Uh, it's not the best way to do it. So we'll watch the film, get better, and try to uh, make it more smooth. So I'm going to go right into the PFF lowest stat before throwing it over to you, and it is for Nick Chubb because since coming into the league in 2018, everyone truly has an argument as the best running back in the game. 107 running backs with 100 carries or more since 2018. Nick Chubb is first in PFF rushing grade, second in missed tackles force per carry fourth in yards per carry and number one in yards after contact per carry these days nick chubb basically the only great thing to consistently see out of this cleveland browns offense at least we have him Dwayne, we had jamal williams get back into action this game with the lions i know last week swift was at 93 snaps and eating up everything he still had a big game this week but how'd that utilization look when he dug into things a little bit more yeah, real quick on Chubb before we jump to that. 32% of his carries today went for 10 yards or more. Uh, he had 22, 22 attempts. Yeah, so Nick Chubb, man, like just a beast. Like you'd honestly just like to see him unleashed like Jonathan Taylor, right, is getting unleashed. Like that that's what you have, really. Like it'd be Nick Chubb and it would be Jonathan Taylor. If, if you could pick two talents in the league to say just fully unleash them, let them do their thing, like those are the two dudes I would love to see absolutely like the most. Um, yeah, as far as, as far as the Lions go, uh, DeAndre Swift still has handled uh, 73% of the snaps, 80% of the routes, 61% of the rushing attempts. Um, you know, the Lions were behind again. I mean, even though they weren't behind by, you know, a ton because the Browns couldn't do enough, they were still behind pretty much, you know, the whole game. So it was still uh, DeAndre Swift's backfield. Jamal Williams continues to be stuck in the role that, you know, might be great. Like if you played <laughs> on a team that actually led. The you know, Cardinals. Once the Cardinals. James Connors yeah. You're right. We've talked about this. This is the James Conner role, but it's the James Conner role on the bad news bears, right? So it's just, it's, it's problematic. Um, you know, Swift did come through big for folks at the end of the game. And I will say this about Swift, even though um, he has struggled overall and we do see him, you know, on a play to play basis, like he doesn't grade out as, as well as a lot of other backs and, and he's had his challenges and you've called those out Ian, rightfully so. He's look he's looking a little better and he he just seems to come through over the last two to three weeks, Manny, and he comes through with a big play. So he may kind of end up, you know, giving you nothing, nothing, nothing. Then he will actually break the long touchdown play or just a long chunk play. We saw that again today. He really saved your day. If you saw that happening, you were like, thank God. <laughs> like the officer just came through for me again. Um, but he handled all the 100% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So those are the two most important things on a bad offense that wants to, you know, um, you know, handle situations where their number one passing option in the game is tight end or running back. So it's a good spot for Swift. You mentioned Hawkinson. Yeah, I mean, look, even though it was Boyle, like, I mean, I, I still had a hard time getting him outside of my top 10 this week. I know there was a lot of talk out there that, oh, TJ Hawkins is like a tight end 15 or 16 this week. Like, look, if you're going to be out there for 80 to 90% of the routes, I really don't, I mean, I don't care if like Ian and I are throwing the ball like from our living room. Like, you you know, if, as far as tight ends go, like you should be on the field. So with Hawkinson today, he did that. 92% of the routes did come through with 32% of the targets. Like you mentioned, like this, these passing games were, were insane. Jar Jarvis Landry led for the Browns and Hawkinson for um, the Lions. They each had eight targets today. And Hawkinson came through with 51 yards and Landry popped up with a big, a whopping 16 in. But he did come through on the ground in, a, in, a, in, a, in the land of craziness. He scored a rushing touchdown uh, for Jarvis Landry today. But that's really it. Chubb handled. 
handled most of the work. Dearness Johnson got the long down and distance. Kind of didn't play the cream hunt role though. For folks wondering, you know, hey, is he going to get the cream hunt role? It was more of a slim down, like. 30% version of what Kareem Hunt, 40% of what Kareem Hunt normally gets. So I think we can continue to feel confident about Chubb if for some reason we get Kareem Hunt, you know, missing another game. But the Browns, they have a bye week coming up, Ian? I'm not sure. But anyway, um, that's everything on this game. Yeah, I will check the buys real quick because going into week 12, we have two buys, the Cardinals and the Chiefs. The Browns buy is not until week 13. So one more. 13, so coming up. We so we'll see, there. yeah. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Nick Chubb. Now we got the other guy that everyone wants to feed the ball, and rightfully so. Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts took down the Bills 41-15. to Dwayne, I saw all the hype coming in on Jonathan Taylor as, you know, just the, the contrarian play that everyone knew about and really made it like not a contrarian play in this one. And I thought, hey, Bills, touchdown favorite. Maybe Carson Wentz has to throw the ball a little bit more. Maybe Michael Pittman gets going. No, it was just a Jonathan Taylor show. And if you made a DFS <laughs> I, lineup, I saw there, your tweet this morning. <laughs> God, man. Like, Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up old stuff. Sorry. Oh, you're good, man. I'm, it, it's just funny, like, when you can just be like, you know, you can be wrong and then you can just be like, holy shit, man. Like, go sit in a dumpster <laughs> for a couple of days. Wrong. That's how I was looking there. And that's the, uh, you know, price you pay with uh, DFS in this. But that's what I love about. DFS Dwayne like you can be so wrong on a Sunday and guess what it all starts over again the next week these aren't decisions that necessarily bury you for months on end but Ian bankroll problems aside Colt covered easily as a seven point dog he overcashed at 49 and a half and yeah truly Jonathan Taylor I mean what more is there to say five count them people five touchdowns I thought the most impressive one came actually on, as a receiver caught a nice little wheel broke two tackles on his way to the end zone but it was really all day another one of his touchdowns he was stiff arming a guy to the ground tied with nick chubb for a week high six force missed toggles on the ground and again these are stats as they stand right now sunday evening they'll continue to go through uh some massaging as the you know weekend just finishes up so i would not be surprised if those numbers are even higher by the time monday tuesday uh updates are in there because truly that's how impressive jonathan taylor was in this one overall finished with 204 total yards on 35 touches Dwayne, i was saying like on uh, I think Wednesday when we were talking about previewing these games, like I think Taylor, he's already getting fed a lot. And, you know, I know we want him to get even more touches, but isn't this enough? And you were saying, I don't know, man, he seems like he can go out there and score 500 touchdowns and rush for a thousand yards. If you give him the carries, I, I think you and Frank Rock might be on to something uh, with this sort of workload. You know, we got McCaffrey healthy, but man, if you want to rank JT as your overall RB one, be my guest moving forward. And yeah, really, he just soaked up the life of this, this entire Colts offense. Wentz only had 20 total pass attempts in this one. Jack Doyle had a team high 30 receiving yards. So it, look, Wentz wasn't bad by any stretch. They just did not need to go his way. He had two really nice throws, I thought, in this one. A third down strike to Pittman early where he was stood in the uh, pocket despite having some duress around him. And then he had a play that we've actually seen him pull out of his hat a couple times in his career where he literally just ducked incoming blitzer, flies over the top of them and then Wentz was able to pick up like 18 rushing yards right up the middle so good game from Wentz didn't need to put the team on his back but you know what we got Jonathan Taylor at least he didn't take any sacks throw any picks only fumble once but didn't lose it so good stuff from Wentz as for the Bills 
rough game from Josh Allen. And we've talked about this throughout the year where Josh, he hasn't settled in as like just a, an average quarterback during any week this year, almost like week one, I believe he was PFF 16th highest graded quarterback in passing since then he's either been like top five or outside the top 20, just really freaking good or really freaking bad. This one did side more on the ladder three or excuse me, two interceptions. Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky came in and threw one himself there also took a sack. I mean, it wasn't all on him, but he also lost a fumble. There were a week high five drops done by the bills in this one, mostly courtesy of Dawson Knox, who had three drops all on his own. But yeah, just, just a weird game a little bit, Dwayne. I, I we need to take something away from this. I'm not saying this is Cowboys Broncos level of like, just forget about it. But we did see Isaiah McKenzie catch a kickoff, walk up about 10 yards, trip over his own feet, fumble the ball and give it right back to the Colts. There was a lot of weird stuff going on here that I think people should keep in mind when you only look at the final score. Um, only other notes from this offense, um, absolutely, you know, excuse me, explicit, expletive coming. So earmuff children, fuck this running back room. Everyone, Matt Breida, <laughs> five carries, Moss, three carries, Singletary, three carries. At this point, we cannot play Moss or Singletary, even if there is a fire, if Matt Breida is active like that's i gotta start sick question uh this you know usually about 12 usually about noon 12 30 i'll go in try to answer start sick questions for 20 30 minutes on twitter before i gotta set my own lineups and i got one about zach moss i think first like clyde Edwards Hilaire. all i did was go look at the bills actives and actives as soon as i saw matt Breida there man you could have told me like trey sermon versus zach moss and okay maybe i still would have said moss but you guys get the point we cannot trust this group when matt Breida is active only other note that Stefan Diggs, despite only having four catches, 23 yards, did catch a pair of short touchdowns. So good to see Diggs staying relatively hot despite not having the huge box score numbers. Only injury to really keep an eye on is Quentin Nelson departed with an ankle injury. We know how big of a difference having this healthy Colts offensive line, I think, has made for the entire team over these past few weeks. Just keep an eye on Nelson. But yeah, PFF Lowy staff for this one is for our guy, Jonathan Taylor, because He's almost on pace for what Derrick Henry was before he got hurt, which was enough to kind of warrant MVP consideration, whether you agree with it or not. He's at least in those conversations or was in those conversations. But Derrick Henry was on pace for 1,991 rushing yards, 21 rushing scores. Right now, Jonathan Taylor, 1,734 rushing yards and 20 rushing scores. But Dwayne, here's the thing. Everyone knows the ball is going to Derrick Henry. Everyone knows the ball is going to Jonathan Taylor. Henry averages 4.3 yards per carry this year, and Jonathan Taylor is at 5.8. Like, the fact that Taylor and Nick Chubb can keep up just these gaudy-as-hell yards per carry numbers despite everyone on the field know they're get, knowing they're getting the ball, it's truly amazing. And I get it. Colts, Browns, offensive lines are much better than the Titans. I'm not here to put down Derrick Henry. Just realize it is Jonathan Taylor's world, and we are all living in it. So, Dwayne... Let's talk about the Jonathan Taylor usage. Are you satisfied? Are we happy with the Taylor usage? I mean, I want even more, but look, I mean, 32 <laughs> carries. And look, it was a good, it was a great game script. You jump out on, ahead of Buffalo, you're leading the whole game, and he's smashing. I mean, Buffalo only, they forced him to change his point of attack only 3%. When you let a back like Jonathan Taylor get trucking and he doesn't have to make, you know, a change before he gets to the line of scrimmage, right? And basically the first move he's making is at the linebacker or safety level. That's usually a lights out game for a player like that that's so tough to get down. In the second level, 74% of his 
yards today came after contact. Uh, he averaged 4.28 yards today after contact per attempt. 19% of his carries went of those 32 carries went for 10 yards or more. I mean, basically every time you looked up, it looked like you know, um, you know, basically Jonathan Taylor's rushing plays today were like passing plays. Like they, you know, we'll have to go check out like the the plus EPA on those tomorrow. Ian, I'm sure they're like sky <laughs> high, but he looked really great. Um, so yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day, like Naheem Hines. It, he's not getting consistent usage. I mean, they're still using Taylor in these different ways. They didn't need the two-minute offense today. That's pretty much where Naheem Hines is coming in. But 73% of the long down and distance today went to Taylor. So we've seen that number hovering around 60 70%. So at this point, there's no real rhyme or reason to how they're using Hines. We're seeing Taylor, you know, pretty much take over the entire backfield despite the fact that they paid Hines this offseason, you know, to stay here, and he's really good at the job he does. So, yeah, I think you're running with it. I mean, he had 15% of the targets today, targeted on 19% of the routes that he ran, said Jonathan Taylor, not Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines had 0% of the targets today. Um, You mentioned Pittman. Didn't come through, you know, obviously big in the box score. Didn't need to today. I mean, Carson Wentz only had 100-something yards passing. Like, it was right around 100 because he also didn't need to do anything either. 106. Yeah, 106. So when you look at Pittman, I know he didn't come out in the box score, but 25% of the passing targets, you know, which was first on the team. So he did his thing. Um, The biggest thing, you already hit the biggest thing on the Bills is the backfield, complete avoid. So I won't spend any more time there. Dawson Knox, though, 95% of the routes, 26% of the targets. So last week was his first week back from injury. Kind of had a real dud of a fantasy game. So I think, you know, I know he was getting dropped in a lot of leagues where he had been picked back up because folks knew he was coming back in. And really this week, you know, he was the lead target. And this is just a player, you know, Ian, that's still young. Like he's in his third season and we've seen this from him earlier in the year. So I, at this point, my thought is like, yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Buffalo. And we can't say Dawson Knox is like a mid-range tight end, you know, one or a high. He's definitely not a high-end tight end one. But I think we've seen it enough now to know that, wow, he really is part of the Buffalo offense. You know, it could be a little bit sporadic, but again, when you're out there for 90% of the routes, you're in a good spot. You're in an offense that throws the ball more than the NFL average in every single game situation. I think there's going to be some good weeks coming from Dawson Knox as we move down the stretch run. We can put them uh, just, you know, at the top, if not in a small tier ahead of that big group, a borderline tight end ones uh, yeah. headlined by Dan Arnold, who is now dead to all of us. <laughs> Real quick, real quick before we keep on moving people, uh, not an ad here, actually just something we want some help with with the podcast, uh, because if you're a fan of the podcast, we'd really like to get your help. Uh, we want to do some surveys and basically just find out what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast, schedule some super short interviews with you, the listeners, to find out where can I, where can Dwayne, where can Andrew, where can everyone involved just get a little bit better. So please, if you are a fan of the podcast, shoot me a DM on Twitter at iHeart, it's IHA. R-T-I-T-Z. It seems like it's spelled like like I heart tits, but no, that's just my name. It's kind of weird. So once you get that through, you'll realize, hey, this is the guy's Twitter. I'm trying to DM and you can do that. So just shoot me a DM and I'll get you more info. Again, just looking for super short, 10 minutes or less interviews with you guys to find out how we can improve. Many thanks. And we will keep on rolling with the Ravens taking down the Bears 16 to 13. The Red Rocket could not get it done, really. Baltimore covers as a one and a half point 
point favorite. This thing shot down after Lamar Jackson was ruled out with the illness shortly before kickoff, 90 minutes when usual actives went out um, under cash at 41. So Tyler Huntley, four touchdown preseason superstar Tyler Huntley came in and Dwayne, like watching this offense, it reminded me of like the 2018 version of the Ravens, like a middle-class man's version of that. We didn't have the same you know, pristine passing ability that we've actually seen Lamar now take into this offense as he's grown, which is fair. I'm not expecting Tyler Huntley to be Lamar Jackson as a passer right now. And the fact that they were able to escape with a W is great to see. But I think that is like your explanation for why despite not having Marquise Brown, we couldn't get anything out of Rashad Bateman in this one. It just wasn't really designed to go through a stud wide receiver. I think they were more than happy to feature Mark Andrews, and he did get a season-high 10 targets, and then just really not force anything else on anybody in this offense. So Bateman, Devontae Freeman, Devin Duvernay, Sammy Watkins, these guys all had between four and six targets. There did not seem to be any concerted effort to feature any of these receivers over another guy, with the exception being Mark Andrews, who seemed to be the number one pass game option so maybe that was a game plan thing against the Bears. I could be overthinking it, but it did seem like if we're going to see Huntley under center for extended weeks, which seems unlikely, Lamar was out with a non-COVID illness. But if we do expect five to 10 rush attempts per game and probably a lower passing share than we're used to with a lot of it going to Mark Andrews, but great stuff. Good stuff, I should say, by Huntley. Had a great throw to Sammy Watkins, 29 yards at the end of the game to really uh, put them in a position to retake the lead after Dalton threw a bomb to Marquise Goodwin. And he managed to chip in 40 rushing yards as well. So you see the athleticism out there. You can force some stress on the defense. Uh, but yeah, obviously quite a big drop off from the 2019 league MVP. Really interesting, and I think more fancy relevant note, though, is Devontae Freeman continuing to work well ahead as the RB1, even with Latavius Murray back in action, as he should have. He's been the better running back all season long by basically any metric you want to look at. The only reason why I was pausing on that, at least, was because Tyson Williams has been significantly better than Latavius Murray, too, and he lost his job to him in the first place. So I know more things go into it than just breaking tackles and yards per carry and stuff, but based on what we could measure, it sure seemed like Tyson was the better option. Well, it seemed like Devontae was too, and at least the Ravens seemed to agree on this one. So Devontae did go ahead and chip in 22 touches, 80 total yards, and managed to get a short goal line touchdown in towards the end of the game. So with that sort of usage, I mean, now with this backfield only down to Freeman and Latavius Murray, no Bell, no Tyson Williams, I think we can start to really lock in Freeman as a low-end RB2 moving forward. On the Bears' side of the ball, Justin Fields unfortunately had to leave after just 11 pass attempts with a ribs injury. We were seeing some familiar problems, took a couple sacks, wasn't able to lead the offense to any points in the first half. We did see him fumble another time trying to extend the play. Some good throws here and there, though. One down the sideline to Mooney that, again, just shows that Fields can put that football wherever he wants when he has a chance to get it out. Obviously still needs to do some work, though, with his processing. And then Andy Dalton came in and got perhaps the most misleading 201 yards on 11 completions that I I have ever seen. He threw a 60-yard strike to Darnell Mooney for a touchdown. And by strike, I mean it was a screen that Mooney took 60 yards to the house. And then later, the Ravens defense was basically just playing with their feet, seemingly stuck at the first down, just not imagining any scenario where Dalton would throw the ball over their heads. Marquise Goodwin, the track superstar, runs right by them for a 49-yard score to go ahead and take the lead. So Mooney, 121 yards in a score. Goodwin, 104 yards in a score with Allen Robinson sideline. 
I think Mooney moving forward can be more of an upside wide receiver three, particularly with A-Rob out of the picture. Just don't get too carried away with that good win box score in particular and realize this offense still has a low floor regardless of who is under center. Was good to see Dave Montgomery continue to work as the feature back. Dwayne, I think Damian Williams was a healthy scratch, man. I know he was on the injury report going yeah, he into. He doubtful, but yeah. He was it a says doubtful? The same thing. Yeah, it was doubtful at the end, yeah. Did he just, because I saw he was like full on Thursday. Yeah, I, yeah, I just know this morning when I woke up and I was looking through my stuff, he had the D. What the hell? Okay, no, you're right. But um, he was literally full practice on Thursday and Friday, and they gave him the doubtful tag. So that's yeah. that's weird as hell. I don't know what's going on. I would, at this point, be shocked if Damian Williams has anything to do I with this him. backfield. I cut him in multiple Oh, no, yeah. I'm, I, I would never tell my worst enemy to save a roster spot for Damian Williams. I was just wondering, is it the complete Dave Montgomery workhorse role, or do we have Herbert and Damian kind of splitting the backup stuff? No. Damien's out of the picture, and Herbert really has nothing to do either. So, Dave Montgomery had 14 carries in this one. Herbert only had one. And we also saw Montgomery soak up the backfield's lone target out of the group. So, obviously, you know, only 13 points in, in this one. I think the Ravens were pretty uh, – I think they were pretty well tuned with knowing what the Bears offense wanted to do. The entire Bears crowd was chanting fire Matt Nagy by the end of this game. Uh, but yeah, David Montgomery has the usage of an RB1 moving forward. Might be one of these guys, though, with RB1 usage, more like RB2 production. Um, final notes. Yeah, Mooney's big day could have honestly been even bigger. He had a chunk gain for at least 20 plus, maybe more depending on the pass. Unfortunately, Fields just sailed on him. And later, he made a sick catch on the sideline, like on his helmet almost, but couldn't get two feet down as he was toppling out of bounds. I mentioned Justin Fields' rib injury, which leads me to our PFF Lily matchup stat. Shout out to Mark Andrews. He had a slow start in the season, and Mr. McFarland told you on this very podcast that you needed to buy low because he is that damn good. And boy, is he. Since entering the league in 2018, we got a sample size of 75 tight ends with at least 50 targets. Mark Andrews is third in PFF receiving grade behind only Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Second in receiving touchdowns with 24 behind only Kelsey. Fourth in yards per out run behind only Waller, Kelsey, and Kittle. Truly, you do not need two hands to name more tight ends that are better at the game of football than Mark Andrews. Dwayne, am I right about the Montgomery usage? It looks like he was the clear workhorse back again. And, hey, two running backs in this game that actually lead their backfields. We love to see this. Yeah, no, he definitely was. 95% of the snaps, like, it doesn't get better than that. He was out there for 50% of the routes, 74% of the rushing attempts. Handled 100% of short down and distance, 100% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. Wasn't used in the passing game, only targeted 3% of the plays, but we know we've seen the games where he actually is targeted. So, you know, and that's the key, right? We just need David Montgomery to get a little more involved in the passing game. If he gets the passing game work, you know, which he's out there for, plus the other part of this work we're seeing, then he can survive in a you know, in a really fringy kind of offense like the Bears, right? You know, we know they have the shot at being a bottom four or five, you know, offense. Basically every week they take the field. So you, you need some of those receptions. And so, you know, what the way I look at him is he's out there. It could happen. It probably will happen. He's seeing enough routes, all those sort of things. It's just kind of a, a fluky situation where he didn't see the targets. Um, it is interesting with fields. You know, we've had, we had the two good games, you know, 
over the last two weeks, and then he gets hurt this week. But he was looking pretty bad, like early on in this one. You know, again, like he just seems to struggle, you know, with any kind of pressure. Um, doesn't seem to be, you know, really processing things very quickly. Everything just still, and he's a rookie, right? So this isn't, you know, like some long-term, oh my God, you know, Fields is going to be a terrible quarterback. It's just more like this short-term um, because I kind of had like instant regret. There was a couple of leagues where he had been dropped for some reason. So I picked him up like as my backup quarterback this morning. And then like, as soon as I watched it, I was like, God, I remember why I've just kind of let him sit there, <laughs> even in these deeper formats. Cause when I go watch him, I'm just like, you know, I see the rushing ability and all those things, but it's just something's a, a tad off Ian. Cause I saw quite a bit of that game. Uh, Darnell Mooney, man, 16 targets. I mean, only five receptions, but 16 targets. Are you kidding me? Like that is insane. Um, 39, percent today 45 percent of the air yards uh sorry target share 45 percent target share 52 percent of the air yards 3.36 yards per route run and then you had marquis good uh good one getting involved as well um mr former olympic sprinter 104 yards um, for him on four grabs eight targets um cole Komet, you know finally decided to put him in the lineup because i needed him in a couple spots this week hey cole you know you've had five six targets every week just kidding you know, you're going to run a route on 68% of the plays today, only targeted 8% of the time. But, you know, we've seen that a little bit from Komet before. It's nothing that I'm going to get, you know, too worried about. And I don't know, may, he might have gotten banged up or injured. Jesse James had more uh, snaps than what we normally see out of him. So I'll have to go back and watch that tomorrow. Not that many people care about Cole Komet at this point in the season. On the Ravens side of the ball, you mentioned Devonta Freeman. I do think, yeah, what you mentioned is notable. 50% of the rushing attempts for basically the third week in a row. So, I mean, yeah, he's still in a committee. But he is the lead back in the committee. 88% of the two-minute offense over half of the long down and distance. And then he split short down and distance with Latavius Murray. So Murray does appear to be more the Gus Edwards, uh, slightly you know less than Gus Edwards backup. Freeman is really probably more in the Dobbins kind of role, plus a little bit more. Obviously, you got a, a rushing quarterback no matter what's going on here that's going to be a factor on the ground today. Ty, uh, Tyrell Huntley had 22% of the rushing attempts for the Ravens. As far as the receivers go, you already hit Andrews. Um, Rashad Bateman did see 82% of the routes. He tied for the team lead with uh, Sammy Watkins, with Marquise Brown out of the game. And then Devin DuVernay was questionable going into this one. He did end up playing. He was out there for 57% of the routes. Um, he was also the most targeted Raven um, above even Mark Andrews at 25 per, or sorry, he was behind Mark Andrews. He was second. Mark Andrews, 28%. He was 17% but targeted on 25% of his route. So with Bateman, I still think Bateman is fine too with Huntley. I mean, we just know that the ceiling's lowered. If you, if you, I mean, most likely we'll get Lamar Jackson back. This won't be a thing. Um, but it's just a reminder that like, you know, look, NFL starting quarterbacks, like that's, Honestly, quarterbacks and receivers are the two biggest drop-off positions. Like whenever you have, you move from, you know, the starter to the backup. Now, sometimes, you know, it's not always the case depending on who that backup is. But folks, I think we're getting a little bit wild with Huntley today. You know, I saw folks saying some of the start-sit stuff I was seeing going on. I was like, wow, that's really aggressive with Huntley. I like his legs too, but I'm not going to immediately assume he can do everything that Lamar Jackson can do um, despite the fact that he did have a nice game. Where do you have him? I put him 21 or 22. I, I saw Tyrod Taylor. I put Tyrod one spot out. I ended up having him like 15 or 16, but Sheesh. I saw folks that had him higher than that. Yeah. Well, screw those folks now. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Tyrod, Houston Texans snapped the Titans six game win streak. Apparently the Titans can beat all the good teams, but when they play the Jets or Texans, look out. 
This one was 22 to 13 in favor of Houston, easily covering as a 10 point dog, the under cash at 45 and a half shout out to the artist formerly still whatever known as Tyrod Ty God Taylor. I should be saying rush for two scores in this one, just helping all the super flex fancy managers, hopefully take down their matchup. Could not get too much going through the air though. Just 107 yards on 24 pass attempts. Absolutely. Nobody had even 40 receiving yards in this one. Chris Conley was the only guy that even, had like even a chance considering he had five targets that was the most on the Texans so bad game from Brandon Cooks and from Nico Collins but it just was what it was this is what happens when a team throws for 107 yards and the Houston Texans can inexplicably play with the two score lead over just about anyone so I wouldn't anticipate this pass game volume being such an issue moving forward Nico did actually have a chance in his two targets to come down with a with the touchdown I thought he caught it he came down with the ball in the end zone it looked like you guys need down and maybe his elbow nope nfl said it wasn't a catch so des caught it but nico collins did not so unfortunately that's going to be a sheesh there and yeah the texans had 38 rushing attempts as a team and they totaled 83 rushing yards with that two touchdowns both from tyrod taylor one of them was pretty cool when he jumped over but like truly these lines are an abomination however the hell you say that word man rex abomination there we go. Thank you, Dwayne. My my pronunciation expert for uh, both names and also just regular words in the English dictionary. Rex Burke had 18. He calls me Dwayne. It's, it's T-H-E. <laughs> Tahi. It's Tahi. Oh, my God. Burke had 18 carries, 40 yards. David Johnson and somehow worse, 13 carries for 18 yards. Just, uh, yeah, too many words, but credit to the Texans on getting their second win of the year with the Titans, man. Like, Tannehill, it's tough to say anything good about him here. He threw four interceptions, but there were some good throws in between those interceptions. And when he's not throwing to anybody at this point, it's hard to be too down on the guy because our guy, our wide receiver one, AJB, unfortunately, first suffered a hand injury, came back in the game. Then he suffered a chest injury and it was not out there. So we'll keep an eye on what that's going to be. They were force feeding him, man. Like they wanted to give him the Darnell Mooney 16 target treatment. He had nine before he departed five and then 48 yards obviously expected much more but wasn't meant to be for AJB and I think it's a fair point where if he is going to be back in this offense healthy and moving forward it's going to be tough to rank him just in the top five I'm still going to answer every start sick question with AJB we're like two or three weeks removed from him going over 100 in a tutty in back-to-back games but just with the way this passing game is generally struggling overall at a minimum it's going to be tough to rank him ahead of guys like Justin Jefferson you know, you're Jamar Chases, you're just true ballers of the world. But that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, Nick Westbrook, Akini, seven catches, 107 yards. And we also had Des Fitzpatrick come down with the only touchdown of the group. Nice little outside to the inside, whatever you want to call the route. Ryan Tannehill threw a seed to get him for the touchdown. So, yeah, four interceptions again, but 323 yards. And we did see a few good throws from the artist known as Tana throw along the way. Dwayne, here, here's the big issue in this game because we had A.J. Brown get, get hurt. He hurt his hand. He hurt his chest. Okay. Marcus Johnson pulled a hamstring. These are things we can wrap our mind around as fantasy enthusiasts. What we can't get behind is Adrian Peterson and Deontay Foreman losing all of their work seemingly to Dontrell Hilliard as both a rusher and receiver. I know, I know, game script. But come on, man. Dontrell Hilliard, we're doing this again. It's always got to be someone. And just when we thought we could rule Jeremy McNichols out of the equation, Hilliard 
Hilliard has seven carries to Peterson's nine and Foreman seven. And Hilliard soaked up 10, count them, 10 targets. Peterson had two, Foreman only had one. So I don't know. Beat writers kind of would have been a good little heads up. The only thing I saw before the game was that Peterson and Foreman were co-starters. Like, that sounded pretty good to me. Unfortunately, did not realize that Hellier was going to be every bit as involved. So, this is a three-back committee, and we really cannot touch it with a 10-foot pole in Fantasyland until we have any sort of clarity. And believe me, we do not have any sort of clarity at the moment. PFF, Lily Stat is just for this dreadful Titans offense because – it's so easy to see how different they are without AJB, without Julio, and without King Henry. So in the first eight weeks of the season with Derrick Henry, this was your eighth-ranked offense in EPA per play overall. They were second in rushing EPA per play, and they were 15th in passing EPA. Since then, over these past three weeks, 26th in overall EPA, 27th in rushing EPA, and 23rd in passing EPA. So losing Henry has taken this from a top-10 offense, a top-two rushing offense, and at least an above-average uh, passing offense to a bottom eight unit in every single thing except the pass which they're bottom 10 so for those counting at home so Dwayne you know it just reminds me of the Washington backfield like I don't want to hear what you're about to say but I know it's important for the listeners so I still want you to say it let's break down this Tennessee backfield yeah uh, well, I just appreciate you not saying anything about the Texans, and so I'm just going to act like they weren't part of this game, even Fair. though they won. Yes. There's, there's really nothing to say on the Texans' side. But uh, you honestly already nailed it, Ian, on the Titans' side. There's, we can't touch it. We know now that they for sure, with Derrick Henry gone, they want to use a three-way rotation. And that's it. Like So if they get in behind, if they get behind, it's going to be McNichols or Hilliard, right? If they're ahead or, you know, in a close game, Adrian Peterson and Deonta Foreman, they're going to share. You know, last week we saw Foreman jump ahead and snaps um, and it was really close, you know, as far as rushing attempts go. And this week we saw Peterson pull back ahead. So we don't really even know. Like, and it could just come down to who gets to go on the field, right? Whenever they happen to have like an eight play drive instead of a three play drive. Oh, well, you have the three play drive. Next guy gets to come out on the next, you know, drive and we go 10, we go 10 plays. Oh, you get the next drive. Oh crap. We fumbled on the first play. Sorry. The other guy goes back out right on the next, on the next drive. So it's kind of, it's just a big mess. We don't really want to mess with it. Um, And look, we kind of knew this, like the Titans, they were living on some thin margins. We knew that they had beat the Rams and they were looking good, but like, it was just due like for this thing to kind of crumble. And again, like they were without their main, you know, a lot of their players today, losing AJ Brown, you know, in and out of the lineup. You know, I know he got hurt early and then tried to come back in that hurt the offense overall, but that's really it. I mean, just don't want to touch this backfield. Uh, Anthony Ferkser with Jeff Swain out was up to 69% of the routes. Nice. He had 14% of the targets. So he did catch a touchdown late in that game. So if you used him as a punt play for 2,500 today on DraftKings, you were happy with that. Um, I had a few of those shares. So I th- that actually kind of got me into the green on enough lineups to break even today. Uh, I, I did call A.J. Brown out as my slate breaker. That was a, definitely a miss. Feels like every time I say that, like something happens with A.J. Brown. But it's what happens, you know. Um, still love the player. Know he's got a lot of big play capability and we know that whenever he's healthy, he's going to get the funnel in the offense, even though we know they like to run. I did my, uh, I, like I said, I sent out a start sit tweet and I say a couple of rules in it, like no kicker questions. And I just threw out there like happy AJB explosion week. And I got a lovely reply after, you know, always after the games were over, but it was like, you oh, know, yeah. it's like, Hey, I'm hey AJ Brown didn't hit it. So I'm done with PFF. So, you know what people, yeah, I, I missed on AJ Brown. If you just can't deal with that, uh, go, go to all those other yeah, sites. Why can't there. you, why don't you understand variants? Why can't you predict exactly what's going to happen every weekend? Dwayne, oh, wait, would you be doing this podcast if you could do that? 
You probably wouldn't, would you? You'd like be like a, a multi-billionaire, you know, setting next up week, like, Dwayne, next week, I'm getting every single player ranking, right? at Every okay. single position. So you can doubt me all you want. You, you hater. You, you have to, have, you have to set your goals high in life. So. <laughs> Vikings 34, Packers 31. This was a great game. Minnesota covered as a one and a half point dog. The over cashed at 47. Kirk Cousins, multiple great throws. I mean, he has been PFF's highest graded passer this year, in large part because this offense doesn't always ask him to do the most difficult things. He has one of the lower average target depths in the league. He is a very good to great quarterback, so he's able to limit his mistakes, and that's why you see him just, you know, really being a great beater. It's funny watching Eric Eager, who has a lot of opinions about Kirk Cousins uh, that usually, you know, stretch more into the negative side of things. But, you know, when he's kind of describing how, like, Cousins is, like, breaking our grading system with the way he's playing the position, you can just see how tilted the guy is. But this game, I think, might take him a little bit below that because as much as Cousins has almost been, like, maybe outperforming his statistics uh, in previous weeks, this one's a little bit of the opposite. 341 passing yards and three touchdowns. That's amazing. And he played good. But, man, there were two drop picks in there. There's another ball that was picked, but there was a rough in the passer penalty, so it didn't count. And then Cousins also got strip sacked, but the Vikings were lucky enough to recover on it. So definitely saw him being a little more loosey-goosey with the ball than usual, but we can't take away too much from the guy. For him to go toe-to-toe, mano-a-mano with Aaron Rodgers and come away with a prolific win, great job from Kirk Cousins. Also had Dalvin Cook chipping in, 115 yards on 25 touches. Got a nice little goal line touchdown there after Justin Jefferson's big day. Could have been even bigger, but he was ruled just short after reeling in a 56-yard bomb. So small sheesh there but i doubt anyone that has jefferson on the squad is too disappointed eight catches 169 yards and a pair of scores adam Thielen also chipped in eight catches 82 yards and a touchdown both guys had 10 targets like these are the games we love and one of the reasons why we've been down for this vikings passing game even when they've been you know a more run heavy addition in past years because jefferson Thielen, 10 targets nobody else had more than five like this is what seattle sometimes does sometimes not but that's what we all want them to do condense that passing game around your top two players i'm not here to say that's the best strategy in real life but i'll sure as hell take it in fantasy land makes our jobs a lot easier to try to predict the usage so good stuff out of the vikings when we can get jefferson Thielen, cook all balling out you know slightly disappointing game from tyler conklin just three catches 35 yards but we know who he is he's a full-time player and a good offense sometimes the touchdowns come sometimes they don't he'll be a weekly touchdown dependent tight end too regardless with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is dealing with a pretty bad toe injury. Didn't realize quite how rough this was, but after the game, he told reporters that the toe injury is, quote-unquote, a little worse than having turf toe. and says it's very, very painful, and it got even worse after someone stepped on it during the first half. So toe, no toe, whatever, 385 yards and four scores through the air for Aaron Rodgers. He hit Marquez Baller scaling on a beautiful 75-yard throw down the middle. Also got his guy, Devontae Adams, two catches, 115 yards on the Day. I think his best throw of the day, though, was to might need your help here, Dwayne. Josiah Degura. Yeah, you're close yeah, enough. okay, close enough. There we go. I got the stamp of approval. Just that patented, like Rogers rolling out to his left, stops and throws the ball, you know, through a backyard tire. He had the one, Dwayne. I know the play, uh, you know, what I'm talking about the 2014 Des game when he threw one of those and he just split two defenders, like rolling to his left. And it's like, how is that throw even possible? Like, how do you have the audacity <laughs> to even think about attempting the throw, let alone to go out there and complete it? I guess you just got to be Aaron Rodgers. So he was on the top of his game in this one. 
one, you know, small pat in the back. I know we've already brought up like 10 ways how we, you know, missed this week and all that stuff. But on the DFS uh, edition of this podcast, my favorite stack of the week was Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams and bringing it back with Justin Jefferson. So we didn't have Jonathan Taylor in there. It probably didn't matter, but at least it was a pretty good start to the old lineup for you. Uh, and yeah, I was just really, man, confused with like what the Vikings were even doing on defense. And we've really trashed our cornerback room often uh, throughout the year on this podcast. And I just, they weren't even giving their bad cornerbacks a chance though. Like Devontae, he was in the slot one-on-one with Mackenzie Alexander and no safety help over the top. Like, how do you expect that to go? Minnesota obviously has five yards of separation as he's in the end zone dancing shortly thereafter. So yeah, that's basically in this one, we're going to want to keep an eye on Aaron Rodgers again with that turf toe, but just a great game from both him and Kirk Cousins. And that takes us to the PFF Philly stat. Most games with three plus passing touchdowns since week one of 2020 in first place is Aaron Rodgers with 15 such games and tied for second place is Tom Brady with 12 and none other than Kirk Cousins with 12 games of at least three plus passing touchdowns since week one of last year. I know primetime Kirk bad record. Maybe you haven't made a you know huge effort to go watch a bunch of Vikings games over the past few years. But believe me, you know, when we use words like trash, like, you know, F that quarterback, whatever your, you know, mean adjective of choices, I don't think Kirk Cousins is deserves as much flack as he usually gets. Now, Dwayne, the chalk, everyone's RB1, A.J. Dillon. He didn't really disappoint. We had 97 total yards, 11 carries, six receptions. So he didn't bust for you. Maybe we didn't get the huge explosion we were looking for. The good news is, at least based on this usage that I'm seeing, seemed like he pretty much had his backfield all to himself. Yeah, he did. I mean, 75% of the snaps, 67% of the rushing attempts. You mentioned, you know, his uh, receptions. He actually had 21% of the targets on 54% of the routes. So, yeah, I mean, in 32% targets per route run. So when he was out there, they were really trying to design things, get them to him. I mean, he actually averaged 2.32 yards per route run on the game, which is a huge number for a running back. Not something we reference a ton, like on a one-game sample, but still, um, mm-hmm. it was a nice game for Dylan. Um, if you look at the Packers receivers, you had Marquez Valdez-Scantling get more involved. We had Alan Lazard out with a shoulder injury this week. And really, Scantling had been out anyway before that with a hamstring, just now really kind of getting back to full strength. So he was the second, he was the player in the second most routes today behind Devontae Adams for the Packers at 88%, had 25% of the targets. And he also had a yards per route over three today, 3.84. Actually, we had four players in this game do that. You had Devontae Adams, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, you had uh, Equinemia St. Brown. You got to love those St. Brown. <laughs> he boys. had a good game real quick. St. Brown, he touched the ball like three or four he times did. and was making explosive things happen every time. Yeah. 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 He's like, he and his brother are both super quick, except like he's way taller than Amon Ross St. Brown. Like they're, I actually they're have a, sorry to interrupt. I have a fun, quick story with Equinemia. It's, uh, Matt Kelly, pod father, Roto Underworld, awesome guy in the fantasy community. I'm sure most of you know, and he does a lot of senior bowl uh, scouting. Like he's just so big in the dynasty world that he <laughs> tries to cover all these tracks. And he told me before pod one time that Equinemians had like a third or fourth round grade with almost every single team, but he went into interviews and basically said, I'm not playing special teams like no matter what do not draft me if you're going to put me out there on special teams which let the Packers get him in the sixth round in the first place so hey man he wouldn't be the first pretty great Packers receiver to take three or four years to bust out that's all I'm saying yeah that's a Jordy quote um yeah so I mean (laughs) Donald Driver maybe too um yeah as far as uh where was that so Packers yeah we we talked about St. Brown um 
they're really, you know, we haven't seen anybody emerge at tight end since Tunyon has been gone. But, you know, um, it's really a rotation, you know, between three guys. There's nothing you can do with it. Um, Patrick Taylor is the cuff right now to uh, Patrick Taylor Jr. to A.J. Dillon. If for some reason something happened to him before we get Aaron Jones back, which shouldn't be too long, probably another week or two before we see Aaron Jones back in the mix. As far as the Vikings you guys don't really need anything like, you know, and you mentioned it. Hey, we know who the offense flows through and it's Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. And that's what happened today. And we can move on to the next to the next game. Dolphins took down the Jets 24 to 17. Miami covered as a four point favorite. The under cash at 44 and a half. Don't look now. Like, seriously, you don't have to look. I'm just going to tell you anyway. But the Dolphins, three-game win streak over the Jets, Ravens, and Texans. And they got the Panthers, the Giants, the Jets coming up. Don't let two on company get hot. If you do, I mean, I don't think it will be that big of a deal. But you, you can imagine. Anyway, to a good game here. 273 yards, two touchdowns, and a horrendous interception. But I feel like he's had three games, three or four games like this this year, where he throws a brutal interception. That's what everyone sees on the highlight on red zone. You don't really see the rest of the game where more times than not, he was doing good things out there. So he did get aided again by a big broken coverage, the 65 yard touchdown pass to Mac Hollins. Hey, he had to get a lot of air yards under that thing to even get the ball there. So it wasn't Isaiah Ford level bad that we saw in that Thursday night game um, from week 10, but still it was a play that I don't think we're going to see replicated too many uh, weeks in not so just realize that i think a little bit of Tua's 8.3 yards per attempt is inflated from that but either way good game from Tua. we didn't get the rushing floor like that's the only thing i think really holding him back from being from being the super not super consistent but at least like more of a consistent upside qb2 we see the rushing usage sometimes and he is athletic enough to move around he's just more of a pass first quarterback than i think a lot of these other guys like jalen hurts uh coming into the league great for his future NFL progression, but like there's a reason why Mac Jones is playing as well as he is this year. And we don't care that much in fantasy. It's because he doesn't get many fantasy points, which is what our job is to try to find. So just something to keep in mind here when we see guys like Tua have these productive games, but again, just not quite as good as you would hope for in fantasy land. But I did love what Tua did in terms of target distribution. This was all, this is all we're asking for, bro. Nine targets to Jalen Waddle, six to Mike Desicki. Nobody else had more than five. Feed those two. They're your best two receivers after that whatever man so waddle eight catches 65 yards also chipped in a one yard rushing score fantasy managers gotta love that they put gaskin in the wildcat and just let waddle get around the edge on a sweep and Jasicki five catches 50 yards to rebound from that infamous week 10 goose egg just you know i'd be remiss if i didn't point out that the leader for the dolphins in yards per carry duke johnson 4.5 yards per carry i don't know Dwayne. Seems uh, seems pretty good to me. Sure doesn't seem like Miles Gaskin could average that much, but Miles Gaskin does have a little thing that Duke does not, and that is good old American volume. 23 carries in this one. Also chipped in three catches, one of which went in for a touchdown. So this was gross all week, having to tell people to start Miles Gaskin over some of these names, but he paid off. Wasn't efficient doing so, but he paid off nonetheless, and he'll continue to be a rather disgusting low-end RB2 as long as Malcolm Brown is sidelined, as long as we can project him for 20 combined carries and targets per game. With the Jets, Joe Flacco coming in after, you know, Hall of Famer Mike White hit the bench following a bad performance. And, yeah, 
overall, pretty good. This is what Flacco can do. He can lead your offense like a competent 17 to 20 points, and like you don't completely hate yourself the entire time you watch. So he had a strip sack in there, you know, took two sacks on the day. He's not going to be elite again anytime soon, but he's enabling fantasy-relevant receivers, and that's what we love. Elijah Moore, eight catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. This guy is on one hell of a streak. Maybe the Jets don't want to put him out there for a full snap rate. We'll get to Dwayne in that in a second. Doesn't matter. Moore is going to still continue to rack up points, rack up big plays. And that just, again, these touchdowns are great. Jameson Crowder also scored a short touchdown, 44 yards receiving in this one. So only other note is that Michael Carter, unfortunately suffered an ankle injury in this one got downgraded to out so wasn't able to finish that game he did have a 38 39 excuse me yard rush and got tackled just short of the goal line uh down at the one so this really could be a problem though if flacco is going to be even flacco and then honestly going back to zach wilson instead of mike white because in this one we had ty johnson we had tevin coleman we have michael carter combined for just three targets they each had one apiece. So those days of Ty Johnson and Michael Carter each getting, you know, eight to 10 targets and some of those bonkers totals of Mike White under center, likely over with Joe Flacco. So as we continue to see Coleman have far more involvement, I think in early downs than we would like, might be a good idea if Michael Carter is healthy to at least put him a little bit closer to that RB2 borderline than the RB1 group. Quickly, though, with the PFF Philly status is for our guy, Jalen Waddle, who has been on quite a nice little hot streak here since week six. He's peeled off finishes as the wide receiver four, wide receiver 16, wide receiver 60. Everyone does from time to time. And then wide receiver 16, wide receiver 37, and pre-Sunday Night Football, wide receiver nine. Hell yeah, Waddle. And I'll continue to send that stupid waddle waddle got any grapes jiff every single time he scores he's at four this year hopefully he can get it to 10. now Dwayne, elijah moore he's balling out man but we haven't felt confident because he's playing behind crowder he's playing behind corey davis and then we got a bunch of other guys just also soaking up snaps are we finally at the point Dwayne, where we can fire up elijah moore as something close to a wide receiver too yeah i mean let's go i mean he's a wide receiver three look that's what he is but oh, he did see i his said CD. two I said it's okay. Two. It's okay. You can still say two. I mean, thirty-two point six fantasy points. You know that'll that that gets you moved up to wide receiver. Some might say range. one. I mean, yeah. the production so, is. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, PPR ranks over the last four weeks: 26, 1, 25, and whatever this ranks him. Probably you know in the top three this week. We had a couple of guys score two touchdowns, so it's probably behind them. But yeah, Moore's uh, look eighty-one percent of the routes today for the Jets. That is a season high. He was at thirty-seven percent, sixty-three percent, fifty-five percent over the last three weeks. Hell so yeah. this was a step. This was a step forward that we wanted to see. Um, and who knows? Maybe they'll get him up to 90, 95%. But I don't think beggars can be choosers at this point. Like, he's he's on the field enough that you put him in your wide receiver three bucket. He can give you these boom wide receiver one weeks. Yeah, he may give you a wide receiver four week or whatever. But look, he's playing too good to just not to have him on the field. And at some point, like... You just have to, like, he keeps getting wide open for these huge plays. Like, this is three weeks in a row where we've seen things like this for these chunk gains. Um, so he's doing some things that are that are right. Um, so we're going to continue to have, you know, confidence in him. So hopefully you folks were able to pick him up two or three weeks ago when, when Ian and I were really all over him. We've been on him now for a few weeks, but, you know, we tried to get you the, the preemptive pickup with him a few weeks back when this was really starting to kick off. But he's, he's an 
in really good shape now. Um, Corey Davis did continue to lead the team 95% of the routes. I think he's also going to be viable, um, you know, down the stretch as a wide receiver three. I like Moore's upside more because he gives you that big playability, right, that Davis just doesn't really have. But Davis is a nice possession type receiver. He can give you those looks in the red zone. But he had 21% of the targets today. Moore had 26%. Jamison Crowder had 24%. And so, yeah, Flacco did do a nice job. And look, we've really gotten, I mean, for fantasy purposes, we've gotten good quarterback play out of the Jets like three out of the last four weeks. So it's like something we didn't have early in the season. We've gotten, uh, it may not be good NFL quarterback play, but it's been solid, right, from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, and Joe Flacco, he, you know, he was he was decent today. Like he wasn't great, but like you said, like he knows what to do when he drops back. He's been playing long enough. He knows how to handle it. So um, as far as the Dolphins go, look, it's really just a two-way uh, split, which is what we like to see. It's really with Gusecki. It's with Waddle. Um, you mentioned those things, 93% of the routes again to Waddle. And where does Waddle rank now, like Ian, to the, after today, like on the season? I think you ran that before the thing. Didn't you say no, he's like I... in the top 10? No, that was, just, that was just today. That was just oh, okay. 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 Well, <laughs> well, he, he has to be. I was going to say, yeah. he has, but he has to be. He's getting. He, he was already in, you know, the twenties. So, yeah. I mean, Waddle's pretty much coming through for you every single week, right? At this point, and then when you look at Gasecki, he was still out there, eighty percent of the routes again, um, targeted fifteen percent today, um, targets per route run nineteen percent. He was really off to a hot start. Like he had like thirty-five of those yards or so, I think, on the first drive. He ended up with fifty on the day. So it really it was a day where you hope that you're going to get more you know from Mike Kosicki just didn't totally come out that way but that's okay he's still hitting all the underlying marks that you want for tight end Um, Miles Gaskin you know at this point I think we can feel okay you know Ian he's coming through enough you know over the last few games that you know you just got to roll with him you know if you've got him on your roster we'll see what happens when Malcolm Brown gets back I'm kind of you know I'm I'm leaning into that they're just going to let Gaskin do his thing based on what we've seen with the last couple games but we'll see he had 75% of the snaps today, 55% of the routes, 72% of the rushing attempts, 78% of the two-minute offense. He did give way to Patrick Laird along down in distance. I thought they'd give that to Duke Johnson. Like, Duke Johnson, man, like he's a good receiver out of the backfield. But we'll see sure what happens is. with that. And He sure is. Lining <laughs> up wherever you want, receiver, backfield, quarterback, you know, doesn't matter. Um, so I think that is it. I, was, I thought I had one more thing on them. Nope, that's it, on the Dolphins. It's condensing down to really just those three players. Um, and, yeah, Elijah Moore. It's Elijah Moore season. Just one uh, potentially really sad uh, an- an- anecdotal. There we go. A- anecdotal note anecdotal, for some of you, you uh, for some of you, Miles Gaskin. Faithful out there. There's one person on this planet, Dwayne, that I bet has uh, unfortunately ridden the Miles Gaskin roller coaster and just missed every single time because week four, RB78. Week five, RB2. Week six, RB47. Week seven, RB9. Week eight, RB35. Week nine, RB8. Week 10, RB42. And week 11, pre-Sunday Night Football, RB9. The most back-and-forth running back we have seen since a 2021 J.D. McKissick. Absolute madness. But seriously, people, it should even out a little bit more here. You, you've forward. told people, hey, it's the odd weeks. So, I mean, you've warned everybody, Ian. I mean, I don't, you're just you're doing your job. Fantasy football doesn't have to be hard, Dwayne. That's one of those things that people uh, tend to forget. Eagles took down the Saints 40-29, to covering as a three-point favorite. The overcash with ease at just 42-and-a-half. Jalen Hurts, oh my goodness, three rushing touchdowns in this one, two of which came in the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. Like Jalen Hurts figuring out how to score fantasy points before the fourth quarter. It's like the scariest thing since Happy learned how to putt. So with Hurts doing this, guys, it truly just is 
is scary. And he's now had three, four straight weeks where they're playing winning football and he's doing this, meaning we shouldn't have that, again, apocalypsis scenario where we were thinking maybe he gets benched for Gardner Minshew as the season goes on. Don't look now. The Eagles are five and six and actually getting competitive in the playoff picture, meaning Hurts should continue to be out there. Do I think they have a chance of like contending deep into the playoffs? Hell no. We don't care about that. We care about the fantasy playoffs and Jalen Hurts should be under center throughout the duration of that. Continue to fire him up as a weekly top, you know, five, six, eight, whatever. He's going to finish as a QB one, literally twice in all of his career starts that he didn't finish as a QB one. He got pulled before the fourth quarter. So assuming he's out there for what he's paid to be out there for, expect Jalen Hurts to turn in a top 12 performance. Not so much for our guy, Miles Sanders, Dwayne. It looked good in the box score. We had 16 carries. We had 94 yards. Even had a target thrown in there. Unfortunately, he lost a fumble, and Jalen Hurst decided to go vulture him near the goal line. So, Miles Sanders now quickly spoiling the PFF Lily stat. League high, 98 touches without a touchdown. The only other two guys over 50 are Carlos Hive with 66 and Salvin Ahmed at 52, who was a healthy scratch today. So, Miles Sanders, at some point, science says that you will find the end zone again. If Jacoby Myers can do it, you can do it, Miles Sanders. Keep the faith. And, yeah, but we do need to realize that this is no longer truly just a Miles Sanders show because though he had 16 carries, Jordan Howard had 10, and Boston Scott had six. Although we need to keep an eye on Jordan Howard because he did suffer a knee injury and did not return in this one. Kenneth Gamewell was a healthy scratch. As we talked about with Cousins and, you know, Tua and some of these other guys, all we want is for these quarterbacks and run-first offenses to condense their targets around the top players. That's what Jalen Hurst did today. Eight targets for Dallas Goddard, caught five of them for 62 yards, and six targets for Devontae Smith, four catches, for 61 yards. There was one hilarious play where uh, Devontae caught it. Marshawn Lattimore like tackled him and then proceeded just to pick him up like almost to his head like effortlessly. Didn't slam him or anything, but it just kind of reminded you like, my goodness, this dude weighs 165 pounds, dripping wet and can be thrown around like that. But guess what? It's 2021 and Devontae makes it work. So it's too bad he's not in an offense that can feed him, you know, 10 to 12 like high efficiency targets per game. But as things stand, he should continue to be an upside wide receiver three more weeks than not. And then, yeah, over on to the New Orleans side of things. Trevor Simeon, PFF's highest, second highest grade, excuse me, quarterback in the fourth quarter behind only Tom Brady going into this one. And I'm betting that, you know, didn't really go anywhere in this one because they were getting killed going into the fourth, but Trevor rallied them for 22 points. Ended up throwing for three touchdowns, also scrambled in for another. If you were brave enough to put Simeon in a DFS lineup, kudos to you. Uh, he managed to make it work. So Adam Troutman caught a touchdown with Jawan Johnson, a healthy scratch once again. Also have Marquez Calloway and little Jordan Humphrey finding the end zone as well. It's just so hard to get around this passing game, everyone, because it is continuing to be so condensed. Ingram had eight targets. Traquan Smith, Adam Troutman had eight targets. Deontay Harris had five. Marquez Callaway had four. I mean, those can switch up during any given week, and we just don't have much rhyme or reason to what's going on. So we got our 22 touches again from Mark Ingram. He'll continue to be a locked-in, you know, getting closer and closer to an RB1. At worst, a top 15 running back option as long as Alvin Kamara is sidelined. Other than that, though, it just remains, despite this, good performance pretty hard to feel good about any of these saints in fantasy land um we have more shishas in this game than any other one so just quickly on that dallas goddard should have had a huge game still had five catches for 62 yards but i'm i still think he scored early on like he caught a pass 
he broke two tackles and then he got tackled, but it was one of those where he got tackled like on the guy and rolled seemingly into the end zone, still on top of the defender, but Philly just ran the line of scrimmage anyway, did a quick snap and got the quarterback sneak. So didn't matter in real life, obviously a bit shishi in fancy land. And then later he did catch a short touchdown, but they ruled offensive pass interference on Devontae Smith. I think there's another flag where someone stepped out of bounds, but either way, that touchdown got nullified. So Goddard's been on here a lot over the last few weeks. Just just realize, you know, we've seen him play. He's a very good talent. The Eagles just showed us that they think the same thing with that big contract extension. Goddard's going to continue to be, you know, I think at worst a type top eight tight end during more weeks than not. Uh, would also know if Devontae Smith caught one by the pylon. could only get one foot in. It was a good throw by Hurts, but the safety was coming over and made a good play. And finally, the maybe the most meaningless sheesh we've had, little Jordan Humphrey touchdown got nullified on a hold. And the next play, Trevor Simeon throws a touchdown to Adam Troutman. So he got it back and then later he threw a touchdown to Humphrey so you know if anyone you know if, if someone sheesh and there wasn't anyone around to hear it was it really a sheesh like that's those are the types of questions we got to ask ourselves uh, as this night goes on I mentioned the Jordan Howard knee injury he did not return uh, and also Darius Slay unfortunately had a concussion this dude has three defensive touchdowns in the last four weeks big play slay Dwayne last year there was a uh, shadow matchup between Darius Slay and Darius Slayton and I dubbed it you know to the five people that cared I was like this is the battle this is it winner of this game gets the nickname big play slay Darius won it and ever since then man he has not been looking back and by that I mean Darius Slay not the Giants guy won it so that's enough of that let's talk about Philly Dwayne because we did have the first game back with Miles Sanders again I know it's a little tough to tell because we had the Jordan Howard knee injury things uh, knee injury messed things up but it certainly didn't seem like that fumble really did anything to take away Sanders status as the undisputed lead back in this backfield um, well, I mean, he was actually, if you look at Sanders before the fumble, which happened on the fourth drive, he had handled 71% of the plays to that point, And it plummeted after that. I mean, so no, he, it did. Yeah, yeah. He ended up with 46% of the snaps on the day. But then once Howard was hurt, you saw uh, Sanders reassert himself late in the game. So before the fumble, the snaps were 15 to Sanders, 14 to Scott and two to Howard. Um, now, they've got a specific role for Howard, right? So he was going to be involved at some point in the game. He's really there to – I think it's still pretty clear. Like, look, it's going to be Miles Sanders on most of first and second downs unless you're in your two-minute offense. Um, and then about every third or fourth series, you're going to spell him with Jordan Howard. If you get in the two-minute offense, you get in a lot of long down and distance situations with the Eagles have been avoiding using their uh, running game. And I think that's where you see Boston Scott really get more involved. So I think you have three players that will be involved. But, I mean, it was encouraging to see that 71% snap rate for Sanders before the fumble. Because, one, like, okay, great, he's not going to fumble every week, so maybe that helps him. Number two, we'll have to keep an eye on the Jordan Howard injury because, really, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, they're very similar. Similar, right? Jordan Howard is a very different animal than what we have in Miles Sanders or Boston Scott. So um, they look at these players, they, you know, even the running back coach, um, I can't remember his first name. I know his last name, Single uh, Singleton, Al Singleton, I think was his name. I'll probably think of their middle linebacker now. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. I know that the, they do have a running back coach with the last name Singleton. But Close anyway, enough. yeah, whatever. Uh, I know he, I mean, he'd been talking about it even all preseason. Like they specifically have these design roles for these players. So anyway, 
anyway, we'll see what happens. But I thought that was encouraging for Sanders. You still have a team still want to run the hell out of the ball. Like, so the pie is bigger for Sanders returning. So um, I think for now, let's just consider Sanders a high-end RB3. But he could push his way up, like depending on what we hear with the injury news. And then let's see what happens in a game where he doesn't fumble. Um, you already hit on the main thing for the two passing targets for the Eagles. And we've really talked about the last two weeks. It's, it's look, even though they're running the ball so much, and we needed this because they are running the ball so much, everything's condensing just to Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, right? So 35% of the targets today to Dallas Goddard, 30% to Devonta Smith. Um, so they're both in really good shape. Both were over two yards per route run today. Um, going to the Saints side of the ball, you had Mark Ingram out there for 72% of the snaps. He handled 76% of the rushing attempts, 100% of short down distance, 100% of two-minute offense, 45% of the long down and distance. So Tony Jones took some of the long down distance. Tojo. Spelled him a little bit, but it's really, look, like, look, as long as Kamara's out, like, this is Ingram's backfield. Like, he's handling, you know, pretty much Kamara's role. 68% of the routes today um, for Mark Ingram. So, really nice spot. That makes him, uh, you know, every week high-end RB2, low-end RB1. You know, if he was a younger player, more explosive, all that kind of stuff, like, we would be saying, like, this is a mid-range RB1. But being where he's at, it's okay, though, because we know that Sean Payton knows how to manufacture touches for running backs, and that's all we really care about. Uh, Traquan, just a quick alert on him. Like, his routes have really been climbing over the last multiple weeks. Today, he got to 98% of the routes, uh, was second on the team with 20% of the targets. And I know it's like the Saints passing game. We kind of write it off because of what happened early in the year. But really, like, under, you know, Trevor Simeon, it's not like he's been great, but, like, the offense has been more functional from a passing game standpoint than what we saw, you know, with Winston. So I think that there is some potential meat on the bone with Traquan Smith. I think you, know, you consider him a wide receiver four, but I think he could push in wide receiver three, three wide receiver two range. The thing is, like we know Michael Thomas isn't coming back. Marcus Callaway has really had his chance. And so to see Traquan really do this a few different weeks, a few weeks in a row and really hold those routes up and continue to push them higher, I think that means he is the wide receiver one on the team. Adam Troutman, um, you know, today he had quite a few targets. He actually led the team with 23%, but he's still only out there 55% of the routes. It's kind of up and down all over the place. Um, targets per route run, again, really good, 36%. But we've seen these sort of things flash early in the season with certain tight ends that have this really big high targets per route run. It usually doesn't last. You know, what you need to see is a tight end in between 70 and 90% of the routes. And you want to see their targets per route run holding around that 20% mark. Like, it's really hard, like for any player, for that matter, to keep a targets per route run up over 30% because defenses eventually will just, they'll just start to take it away. They know if you're going to throw the ball to that player that often every time they're on the field, They'll just start to hone in on it. So um, Troutman, we'll keep an eye on it. But I think Traquan is the biggest takeaway here um, other than what we talked about with the, with the Eagles backfield. All those dead best ball teams with Troutman and Ferkser and these guys have the audacity to score a touchdown <laughs> the same damn week as each other. It is interesting with Troutman, Dwayne. We've now had Simeon under center really sit for the better part since week eight. And the Saints targets in these games since week eight. Troutman is number one at 26. And then we have Deontay Harris, 23. Traquan Smith, 21. Marquez Calloway, 19. And Mark Ingram, 19. Like, it is so crowded between five guys. Like, that's why we can't get super behind any of them. But, hey, if we can see Troutman, if we can see Traquan start to pull away a little bit, might just have some goodness down the stretch in fantasy land. Washington football team took down the Cam Newton Carolina Panthers 27 to 21. Washington covered as a three and a half point dog. The over cashed at 43. 
Taylor Heineke staying ball in three touchdowns, 16 of 22 passing. He took some sacks, but just truly going out there, being a gamer, taking a page out of Jacoby Brissett's book and just making some gritty stuff happen. There was a fourth and three where he was running around and somehow, you know, the no, 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 yes moment basically where he finds a way to complete the pass, makes it happen. Again, he took down the Buccaneers last week. Like this was another great performance from Heineke. And at a minimum, man, like I'm not convinced the guy can be a long-term starter by any stretch of the imagination. But I think Heineke has earned himself a nice little backup role in this league for a long time. And that's his floor at this point. So good to see from Heineke that he should have, you know, nice little million dollar career. He can be the real life Alex Moran if he wants to, or he can maybe just continue to be a real life starter, which obviously he is doing good stuff with recently. Antonio Gibson, 95 rushing yards, 19 carries, no catches because these running backs only had two targets on the game. Unfortunately, Gibson did lose a fumble. Hate seeing that minus two in the box score, but they did go back to him. There was a time early, I looked at this box score around like halftime and we had McKissick, we had Gibson, we had Jared Patterson all around like six or seven carries. And I was just ready to be mad, Dwayne, because, you know, maybe I just need to chill out a little bit. I don't know, just be a happier person day to day. But anyway, um, when I I saw this I was getting worried but then Gibson kind of came on in the second half and continued to be that guy pal so really we've had two straight weeks rather inexplicably just not expected based on the Washington football team status as a more than three-point underdog in both these games where Gibson has gotten the game script to be the kind of upside RB2 we've hoped for we just it's going to be tough to kind of expect it because this Washington team is pretty up and down at the moment so I think the big thing that we can take away from this this post-buy split from Washington, just how tough it is to get behind J.D. McKissick now. Again, we can live with two RB backfields, but when we have Jared Patterson taking away a lot of these carries that would otherwise be going to McKissick, that's where it gets tough to trust him. So, only two targets in this one. Obviously, they're not going out of their way to feed McKissick the ball. Hey, if they get down to a team by three or four scores, we're going to see another game where McKissick is out there making things happen, but it's going to be really tough to predict that. So I don't think McKissick is someone you really need to be holding uh, you know, in more shallow league types. Quickly with the receivers, only seven targets for Terry McLaurin, but he's a beast, so he caught five of them for 103 yards and a touchdown. We hyped up his contested catchability on this podcast in the middle of the week, and all he did was go out there and and show it off better than ever. Sick catch down the sideline, 39 yards where he came back to it. And the touchdown from about five yards out, looked like he almost got his head ripped off. But of course, our guy Scary Terry held on, continues to be a weekly upside wide receiver too. That would be a wide receiver one in a more consistent offense over with Carolina. Cam Newton, three total touchdowns, two through the air, one on the ground. It was just a game that got away from them a little bit, I think. It was unfortunate. There, I mean, depending on who you're rooting for. I, I got a little bit too much Cam standing in me, so I don't want to be uh, hating on the Washington listeners out there, but I was just surprised to see Heineke and company win this game. It seemed like Newton and them were going to come out on top, and they didn't, but they still produced some good fantasy goodness. DJ Moore caught a short touchdown, also had five catches, 50 yards and McCaffrey caught a touchdown in addition to seven receptions and 60 yards. The McCaffrey score in particular, beautiful ball by Cam. I know he's not really known for having the best touch sometimes, but he put this one right over two defenders into McCaffrey's lap right where he could catch it. Only had 17 total touches from McCaffrey. You know, is that an effect of playing with Cam who had the, the same amount of carries as McCaffrey or just maybe something where they want to get him a little bit less involved moving forward. But it's just like last week, like this was, 
was a relatively underwhelming game for McCaffrey just because our expectations are so high. And then you look at the actual numbers and only Jonathan Taylor scored more fantasy points this week. So that really is the cheat code that we have with a running back that is as involved as the receiver as McCaffrey is. Again, if you want to put JT number one, fine, go, go ahead. But you were starting these guys no matter what, even if there's a fire Obviously, um, any final notes? Cam, his touchdown run was 24 yards over left end. Like he is not washed by any stretch of the imagination here. I think we do need to really reassess if he's going to be close to the borderline QB one upside QB two moving forward. Because thanks, Matt Rule, really good note about him starting the game and maybe losing snaps to PJ Walker. Did not see Walker out there for a pass or a run. Maybe he played a snap and handed it off, but he did not register in the box score. So. Uh, that wasn't too cool, but at least now moving forward, we can feel better about Cam playing an entire game's worth of snaps. Uh, final note here is to our guy, Taylor Heineke, PFF second highest graded quarterback over the past two weeks, completing 78% of his passes, 8.6 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, zero picks, and most importantly, Dwayne, two W's for the Washington football team. So in this one, Dwayne, because we've seen McCaffrey coming back from injury, hasn't had his usual just every snap role. But the way I'm seeing this, you know, there was no Chuba Hubbard. We only had Amir Adula out there for a little bit. Just how often was McCaffrey on the field? Yeah, man, 90% of the snaps. So We're back. It was, yeah, yeah, it's back to normal. McCaffrey uh, handled all of the short down and distance, all of the long down and distance, all of the two-minute offense, 45% of the rushing attempts, but that's because 41% of the designed rushing attempts today went to none other than Cam Newton, which comes back to your other point. Yes, that makes – if Cam Newton is going to do that, that's going to put him in the QB1 conversation every single week. Look, we, we know what Newton did last year in, in most of his – Production all counted, right, on scoring the touchdowns inside the five with the Patriots. But this is a very different team. I mean, you've got DJ Moore. You've got, you know, Robbie Anderson. Um, you've got Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. You know, you've still got some other weapons that, you know, yeah, they're not playing great, but they have other guys like Terrace Marshall that they can get involved. So I think this is an upgrade, you know, for Cam Newton. Um, he seems to be more comfortable. Most of his passes today were underneath. You know, had a low A dot, had a really good adjusted completion percentage. It was like up, it was up over 75%. I want to say maybe 78%. So it was a good day for Cam. I didn't get to see a ton of this one though, Ian. So it's one that I'm really looking forward to. Like once I get into the utilization report, I'm going to definitely pull up like some of the plays and really rewatch them and see how Cam looked. Um, but the, the underlying stats all look really good. And so, yeah, McCaffrey back to a full down roll. DJ Moore, man, 27% of the targets again. So look, all we wanted was just not Sam Darnold. Like, and I think Cam showed us that he can just give us slightly better than Sam Darnold. It's not, and the way this game played out, you know, I mean, in the first half, Newton didn't even have 100 yards passing. You know, so he ended up with 189 on the game. We definitely want more than that. But throwing the two touchdown pass passes, <clears throat> not throwing the picks, keeping the team in the game where they could still be, you know, use the element of surprise. You don't just know they have to drop back to pass every time and let the opposing team know what you're doing. So you keep some element of surprise with Cam Newton. I think that can add some efficiency um, to this uh, team in the passing attack. You know, we were hopeful for DJ Moore, you know, right out of the gate, you know, you got a touchdown. And so he ended up with five catches for 50 yards on seven targets. He did get the touchdown on the first drive of the game. So good things for, for Moore. You know, I mean, if, if and look, if what we've been living through with Moore is like wide receiver 40 finishes for like three weeks in a row, despite the fact that his underlying utilization was really good. So um, we'll take it. We'll take what we can get. As far as the uh, Washington football team goes, um, man, like just 
there's only one team I know of that can just 100% do plug and play at tight end. I guess it's just the <laughs> football team. 99% of the snaps today for John Bates, 86% of the routes, Ian, 15% of the targets. Doesn't matter what your name is. Like, you and I should go try out for the team. Like, I could only take one hit. Like, and then you would be up, and it would be 100% <laughs> to hard it's, you know? Uh, but it's, it's just interesting. Like, you just don't see this. Like, normally, like, it goes into a complete disarray committee so it's kind of it's just interesting to see the way this has worked so Bates you know he was a punt play today could be one more week moving forward we'll see what happens Logan Thomas you know could be a week you know he could be back this week Ricky Sills Jones was out due to a hip injury so we'll see what happens with him as he's, well. he's a punt though he's not like RSJ was and Logan Thomas have been like legit tight end ones I, we're not well, you say that but I mean this is basically the underlying utilization is the same as RSJ um, yeah, 15%, 15% target share, 99, 85% of the routes. Like, so like at the end of the day, like it's uh, RSJ really turned into a pump play too. Like early on in the season, he hit a few times. How like Logan you? Thomas is the player like that we really prefer. Like, I think he is the superior player of all these, but it's still like, if you get over 80% of the routes and you're going to see 15 to 20% of the targets, like, okay, you're startable. Like you're start, you're, you're, you're in a spot where you could easily be used. Um, not going to talk about the Washington backfield just because, you know, I don't feel like it, Ian. It's a Sunday evening. I don't want to run your vibe. <laughs> Terry McLaurin's Terry McLaurin, 35% target share, 4.12 yards per route run today. And he had quite a few catchable passes today. So good job, Heineke. Good job. Way to make those passes, passes to McLaurin catchable. That's what we want. Isn't it like, look, we would put this together if Bates was like, if this tight end stuff was going on on a different team, but on the one team where we just can't get the X wide receiver, any amount of pass down work, they're just giving any tight end that shows up a hundred percent snaps. You have to be good. You do have to be good enough to like get open enough to earn a target. Like, you know, they're not just going to force it. So there's something to what's going on in the water in Washington with what they're doing with the tight ends because we rarely see. Like, I, honestly, I can never think of a time ever in my life, uh, and I've tracked utilization <laughs> stuff for a long time, where I've seen three tight ends in a row like get like these kind of routes and stuff. But, you know, it's like you said. It's not like a huge thing. We'll see what happens going forward. We're probably really close to having Logan Thomas back, and it won't even be a – won't matter next week. We'll go with uses-based tight end two for now, and I'm prepared to be wrong in the future. Do I have it wrong before? I'll be wrong again. 49ers took down the Jaguars 30-10. to 10. This one was not much of a contest. San Fran covered as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The under cashed at 45-and-a-half. Yes, Jeff, Bills, Jeff Wilson burnt you guys today. Just realized the usage was exactly what we could have hoped for. 19 carries. Problem was he only got 50 yards. Also had two targets, and he caught one of them for eight yards. The problem was the other one got thrown at 100 miles per hour over his back shoulder when he was wide the hell open in the end zone. So there's a chance that this was on Jeff. I don't know. Like, we see this happen where sometimes guys are so wide open that they kind of stop thinking, like, okay, I'm this wide open. I should chill and remain this wide open. Quarterback expects them to keep running. So maybe there is a world where that was on Wilson. Just realize this was the most wide open potential score of the day jimmy g could not put it on him and could not connect for the score so if that would have happened wilson's day obviously would have looked quite a bit better just wasn't meant to be and it was another good performance from jimmy garoppolo you look at really what he's done over the past four weeks now 
he's not just crushing it, but he's at least being the guy that you could hope Jimmy G could be. I mean, I don't think like that was the whole issue with Jimmy G throughout this year. He has never been as bad as he was for the first six, seven games. And maybe that was because Kittle was in and out of the lineup. And we had Ayuk in and out of the Shanahan doghouse. Either way, Garoppolo is coming back. He's playing good ball control football, not turning it over and not taking too many sacks. So that's what we've gotten more times than not over the past month. And Jimmy G should be applauded for that. In this one, just 22 pass attempts, but managed to average eight yards per attempt and throw two touchdowns along the way. One to George Kittle and one to Brandon Ayuk, both inside the 10-yard line and required some good accuracy. So he missed the one to Wilson. Also, I think could have had one to Juice Check, but beggars can't be choosers. And how about our guy, Brandon Ayuk? Seven targets, caught all seven of them for 85 yards and a touchdown. Man, oh man, people, it's still going to be tough with Debo and Kittle there to feel too good about Ayuk as more than an upside wide receiver three. But we're back. We are back to being able to start Ayuk and not cry shortly thereafter. So we got to feel good about that. Apparently, Shanahan is good with centering the passing game, more so around Ayuk and Kittle, who combined for 11 targets because nobody else had more than two. Don't worry, Debo Samuel did not fully go away. He's just now the running back, y'all. Kind of eight carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Debo looks so good doing it too, man. This is not like jet sweeps, not reverses. They are putting him there at running back and letting him do his thing. And he averaged 9.9 freaking yards per carry for his work. So this is ideal. Debo, we get the RB1 pushing for 20 carries. We get Ayuk and Kittle in the passing game. Please just keep this going with Elijah Mitchell, and we can actually be happy about three different fancy assets in San Francisco. How about that? Meanwhile, with Jacksonville, we have one fancy option we can feel good about. Nope, not Dan Arnold, who had zero, count him, zero targets in this one. I did hear he got one target, and it got nullified on a penalty, so fine. Take that. Either way, completely disappointing game, and that is going to drop Dan Arnold into the lower ranks of that borderline tight M1 range. Look, we saw Mike Desicki. We saw our other guy last week have uh, goose eggs at the tight end position. These things happen. I'm not saying Arnold's going to be a complete dud here moving forward, but at a minimum, we got to be careful about putting him up there with your Dawson Knoxes, with your Dalton Schultz, and those guys that we've talked about being more so in that tight end 9 through 11 range versus the tight end I think 13 through 15 range. Uh, James Robinson was lucky enough to score a short goal line touchdown. Uh, you got to wonder though kind of what this usage as a whole could look like though because Jamal Agnew did suffer a hip injury there we go Dwayne Visca's getting even closer we got Jamal Agnew potentially out of the picture now maybe the targets will come uh LaVisca Chanel did catch all five of his targets in this one unfortunately lost a fumble as did Tavon Austin just really not a game to write home about with much of anything as far as the Jaguars are concerned again Trevor Lawrence is very tough to even evaluate him at all in this environment throughout the year PFF really stat on a more positive note goes out to our guy Debo Samuel since 2019, which is when Debo entered the league, out of all the players in the NFL with at least 25 carries, Debo Samuel was number one in forced missed tackles per rush attempt at .41. Number two, our guy, Javante Williams, at .37. So I know if Debo gets more, then he'll probably not quite be number one anymore. Just realize that he has made the absolute most out of his rush attempts in his young and awfully promising career. So, Dwayne, Again, we saw Trey Sermon come in and get 10 carries late, but this was a 20-point game. It sure looked like it was a Jeff Wilson show throughout most of Sunday afternoon. 
It was. That was all really late. And, and on your thing with Debo Samuel, 50% of his carries today went for 10 yards or more. <laughs> so, like, the guy, like, just does everything. Six yards after contact per attempt, 6.13 to be exact, Ian. So, yeah, it's, like, crazy, like, just how versatile he is as a player. And it's it's obvious that Shanahan's just figured, okay, how do we dial up plays for Samuel in a way that we can also now get Ayuk involved? So, essentially, he's really playing the Jermichael Hasty role right now with Hasty being out. So, I think that's helping Samuel. It'll be interesting to see what happens once you get Hasty back and he's playing, you know, uh, you know, anywhere from 15, 20 snaps, you know, per game, handling some of the same stuff Debo's doing. That could cause a little bit of an issue, but we'll see. Um, like you mentioned around Ayuk, man, you can play him now. I think we just got to look at him as, you know, he's a wide receiver three, Ian. You know, you're going to have some, you know, weeks where you're happy you played him, some you won't. So he's going to be more of the boom bust nature just because we know this is an offense that's willing to run the ball, you know, very very often, you know, especially if they can get ahead in the game, you know, they don't really care about the game scenario. They will continue to run the ball. Uh, but if they get ahead, they will really put the foot down on running. But it's also when you get the most efficiency out of the passing attack is when their running game is working. That's when you get a lot of these big plays. So a lot of it still goes hand in hand and you can't be too picky, you know, about losing some volume whenever you know it's opening things up as far as the big plays go. But I did lead the team today with 35% of the targets, 29% targets per route run and over 90 of the routes. Um, so three weeks in a row where Ayuk is over 90% in the route. So look, we do not have a Dante Peta situation here. So that's really good to see, um, to see that Ayuk is out of the doghouse, no matter what happens with him for the rest of the season. It's not like it's going to be something going into next year that we're like, oh my God, like Brandon Ayuk, do you remember him? Like he's on a milk carton. <laughs> he's done enough. He's back in the offense and the good graces, you know, to your point, there's going to be some challenges with volume, but the 49ers offense is overall looking pretty good. George Kittle too, man, 86% of the routes for him. So it does look like he's fully healed now from the calf injury. And he's going to be, obviously we know anytime Kittle's healthy, he's going to be a key part, a key cog right in the offense, but good to see him get up over that 80% mark because he had been hovering a little bit below it since coming back from the injury. Um, Jeff Wilson Jr., you already really hit on it. The only thing is Sermon did get the carries late. He handled 46% of the rushing attempts, um, 20% to Debo, 24% to Sermon. Um, but again, the Sermon ones were all mostly in the fourth quarter. Actually, they may have all been in the fourth quarter. I have to look at that. It's, it's close to that. So uh, Trey Lance was out there a little bit as well. Saw 7% of the rushing attempts. On the Jaguar side of the ball, we did see J uh, James Robinson handle 86% of the rushing attempts, 0% going to Carlos Hyde. 21% of the design rushing attempts did go to Trevor Lawrence today. And we also saw 13% uh, of the targets go to James Robinson. So Robinson, look, he's been battling this hill injury. We did see before that injury, like he was at the top, top elite end of utilization and actually like, you know, efficiency, right? All the things we look at, missed tackles, force per attempt, you know, yards after contact. I mean, he was like lighting, the, he was lighting all those stats up really like a Christmas tree plus the utilization stuff. So I think we're probably really close. Like I'd like to see a week of full practice from him, Ian, but he's really the only player like on this offense that you really want to use. Um, Dan Arnold was the encouraging thing. There's still over 80% of the routes. So you can have these games. Like we saw it last week, TJ Hawkinson was out there over 85% of the routes, didn't have a target. It doesn't Not make saying, him feel any better, Dwayne. I, I get it. I get it. But sometimes you got to stick with it. Like, because, you know, and Dan Arnold, look to your point, like you, you said it right. Like he's really a high end tight end two kind of player, right? We don't want to put him in the bottom of the tight end ones. Um, if he had this kind of route production or this kind of route run rate, and then also like 
playing with a better, you know, quarterback and a better offense and not saying anything bad about Trevor Lawrence. Like this offense is just struggling. He actually graded out with a 79.7 today, you know, so I mean, Trevor Lawrence is doing some things that are good. He's just, you know, he's a rookie, you know, and he's on a team that's a, it's a bad team. And really, I mean, to be honest, like when I watch the Jaguars offense, like I hate it. Like, I don't like it. I've, I've watched only probably three games fully for the Jaguars this season, like going back. And I never watch them on Sunday if I don't have to, just because unless the other team is somebody I really need to see. Like at this point, right? Early on in the season, you watch it a little bit more. Um, but, man, every time I watch it, I'm just like, man, what is this game plan? Like it's the most vanilla, nasty, ugly thing. I It's just gross. It's really gross. So you can't put that on the players, right? That goes on the coaches. So Robinson's utilization looks really good. Arnold, I think you nailed it on him. The receivers, I don't really want any part of it. Marvin Jones is the one that's out there the most right now, but I just don't think you can trust any of these players. Now, on to the four o'clock games. Only got three of them. Bengals took down the Raiders 32 to 13, covering as a two and a half point road favorite under cash at 50 and a half. This, all three of these games were ugly, except for Colt McCoy. Shout out to you, Colt McCoy. Like you made at least some part of our day watchable when Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes largely could not do so. Um, yeah, so in this one, Joe Burrow, 148 yards on 29 attempts. Derek Carr, 215 yards on 27 attempts. Again, just one of those days really for both offenses credit to Darren Waller he came down with a nice 31 yard catch and ended up having seven catches for 116 yards he was the only guy to finish even over 50 yards and the only guy with a catch longer than 20 yards this was just one of those gates games excuse me through the air where it was just really hard sledding for both offenses so Renfro you know he wasn't even able to get his five catches that we thought were coming each and every week we saw Tyler Boyd actually get six catches 49 yards but that meant T. Higgins, unfortunately, was the odd man out. Just two catches for 15 yards. So, Jamar Chase was able to score a late touchdown um, inside the red zone to kind of salvage his day. But even he only had three catches for 32 yards. So, one of those performances where Bengals really didn't have to throw the ball much in the fourth quarter. They chose not to. And instead, we got Joe Money Mixon, 30 carries, 123 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Look, We've seen him be volume-based for a good amount this year, but he's also been one of the better running backs. And once he gets the ball in his hands in terms of PFF rushing grade, and I think the film backs it up. Like his second touchdown, 20 yards, slicing through that defense – he is still explosive. He's still agile. And honestly, man, I think coming out of the bye, he looked better than he has in weeks, potentially. So we still got Samaj P. Ryan, unfortunately, you know, taking up most of the pass down work. P. Ryan had three targets. Joe Mixon had zero in this one. So unfortunately, you know, I think if we had to redraft every single one right now, like Mixon would not be going as the potential top eight back that his workload said he was in the preseason, potentially, because he doesn't necessarily have that true three down role. But much like we've seen, with a Derrick Henry, with a Jonathan Taylor in certain weeks. Like, if you're still willing to just give your running or your RB1 25-plus rush attempts, you know, all of a sudden the targets, which would still be nice, but they don't become a necessity to still produce RB1 goodness. So, great stuff from Mixon and Darren Waller. That's about it. Credit to the Bengals. First game all year, they managed to win with Auden Tate's sideline. Get better, man. Still dealing with that thigh injury. Only other injury to really keep an eye out for is Tyler Boyd. He got banged up, but then I read something that was saying it might just have been to go get an IV, and he was cramping. So just keep an eye out, but realize if we lose Boyd, Higgins, or Chase, that's going to bump the other two up big time in the old ranks. 
but our PFF Lily stat has to go to Derek Carr. And it's not a good one, man. We've been a supporter of Derek Carr here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast for the better part of the last two years because he's played good football. He has not been doing that in the last few weeks, though. With Henry Ruggs in the lineup, weeks one through seven this year, Carr a 90.2 PFF passing grade without 52.5. With Ruggs, 23 big-time throws, six turnover-worthy plays without six big-time throws and seven turnover-worthy plays. Yards per attempt has dropped from 8.5 to 7.2. And the average target depth, Dwayne, 9.2, back down to what we used to, used to see from Carr all the time, 7.3. Captain check down, Derek Carr is back, and I absolutely hate it. So, Dwayne, looking at this Raiders offense, man, we got Waller breaking 100 yards, first time since week one. We love that. We also see Josh Jacobs, nine carries, five receptions. That's not bad. But I'm just starting to get worried about the overall upside here man we're not sitting waller we've gone over this but elsewhere Carr, jacobs renfro i feel like we might need to ding these guys down a little bit because this is again three straight weeks with some correlation i think that does signify actual causation losing a legit field stretcher like henry ruggs yeah i think it's a problem and you saw deshaun jackson get a little bit more involved today 34 percent of the routes you know last week he was down around 10 percent they're gonna have throw to throw the ball yeah they're gonna <laughs> throw him the ball you gotta do something to stretch things out um yeah it's just not the same offense like and and look it wasn't a great offense really before like you said we were supportive early in the season but it's really kind of been off track now for a little bit um and, and we can't just blame it all on henry ruggs but they've they've got to get things going brian edwards is just not the answer like he's out there for plenty of routes like today demanded zero percent of the targets despite being on the field for 80 percent of the routes and they're starting to curtail him back like he had gotten up to the 90 percent range they're starting to draw him back down um zay jones was over 80 percent of the routes today uh 80 percent to hunter renfro so i think deshaun jackson is kind of their hope ian like that I don't know if it's going to work. We don't know if Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy, but I think that's really where we're at. Uh, Josh Jacobs, to your point, like with the receptions today, man, 28% target share for Josh Jacobs, the receiving back, Ian. Uh, just kidding. He wasn't really out there for uh, the long down distance role, but he did have, this is, he had 73% of the two minute offense today. So go figure. Um, we're used to, you know, Jacob seeing 60, 65% of the snaps, 60 to 70% of the rushing attempts, both things he did do today. Uh, or sorry, 50 to 60% of the rushing attempts. He had 53% today. But what we're not used to seeing is him being nearly 70% of the routes. And that's where we were at on Josh Jacobs today. I'm not sure what drove that. Sometimes that's because if you manage your, your down and distance and you're not in a lot of long down and distance, that could really push Jacobs up. So I'll have to go look at that. But for now, like that's an encouraging thing to see that. You had Kenyon Drake only seeing 27% of the routes. And he was out there for when they did have long down and distance, you did see Kenyon Drake out there a little bit more. But to your point, it's just hard to be, you know, really very excited about any of the Raiders offensive pieces besides Darren Waller. Like Darren Waller is going to be a top three tight end the rest of the way. And again, it's another example. Look, this utilization is there. We've got, a, we've got, and when you have a track record, also with that utilization like it's gonna come through like we can't variance does happen and sometimes variance can happen multiple weeks in a row where you just have you know you get a bit unlucky um Dwayne, we gotta today, start taking what you just said which is very smart but those last three sentences about variance and just put that on the end of every tweet and maybe it won't flow <laughs> off the tongue as well but we'll just start saying that every time we make any caveat everything with that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but i mean waller came through big today 32 percent of the targets uh 40 of the team's air yards four yards per 
route run. Uh, you know, and man, this Foster Moreau guy, like I'm kind of interested in him too. Yeah, maybe good, they need to get him a little. Maybe they need to use twelve personnel a little bit more. But like he each week, like that I see him, like he had an eighty-one point eight uh, receiving grade today for PFF. Waller had an eighty-three point seven. Foster Moreau has strung together three or four really good games. Not from a fantasy production. He did have one game in there where he filled in for Waller and did fine. But I think they could have something with him. So if you're in a dynasty type format, Moreau is a name yeah. to keep an eye on for sure. As far as the Bengals go, we've talked about this multiple times. Look, if they have a down game, the volume's down, the passing volume down you got to split it up across three mouths to feed it just gets more difficult you know i mean we're going to have these sort of situations jamar chase did save your day with a touchdown um but any there can always be a chance like that one of these guys is going to be the odd one left out you will have certain weeks where the whole offense booms and you'll be in good shape but most weeks it's probably only going to be two of these guys that can eat in the current iteration of the way the Bengals are running their offense because even though they've opened it up more than what they were doing early in the season um they're it's not like they're just full throttle right they're not just trying to peg the you know the speedometer on this thing um, and it's been good for Joe Mixon though because when they get into these game scripts it's really helped him get a healthy workload which you just talked about he's still not an every down back so when games get weird I think it is going to hurt Mixon um, but 86 percent of the rushing attempts and they did lean on him and I agree with you I think he's I think basically what we were dealing with with Mixon was when he got hurt early in the season and he came back he was dealing with that he has looked better the last two weeks um, still a bit touchdown dependent because he's not getting used in the passing game but it's in an offense that overall, like, I mean, this is a good offense. It's not a great offense, but even in games like today, like they kind of find a way to keep someone like Mixon relevant. And so I think that's a positive for him overall, um, despite the fact that he had 0% of the targets today. You mentioned that pace, man. And for the Bengals, it is infuriating because we see what they can do when they actually give their playmakers a chance at more volume. But you look at it in a situation-neutral pace, shout out Football Outsiders for the info, they are 31st in the league entering week 11. So we see like the Bears, the Lions, the Browns, they're 26th, 27th, and 28th. That's fine. Be slow. You guys are already lame. The Bengals, it'd be nice if you could speed it up, Zach Taylor. Just saying, be a lot cooler if you did. Two more games to get through. Cardinals took down the Seahawks 23-13. to 13. Colt McCoy just doing his damn thing. Cardinals covering as a five-and-a-half-point dog. The under cashing at 45, 35 for 44. 328 yards and a pair of touchdowns for Colt McCoy. Watching this one in the PFF office. I mean, he kept making these pretty damn good throws all over the field, which was leading us all to say, like, there's another $50 million throw from Colt McCoy because this guy is going to be a backup for the next decade and he deserves to be like he is he is and has been a top 35 to 40 quarterback in the nfl not someone that teams are going to build around but someone that certainly makes any roster in the league better we know how important a backup quarterback can be and he for him to lead the cardinals to a two and one record in relief of kyle murray and play again very well in two of those three games well done to you colt mccoy also had James Conner chipping in 99 total yards and a score. Took him 26 touches to get there. Guess what? We'll take him no matter how long it takes. Gotta love it. That's what the doctors ordered with Chase Edmonds' sideline. You know, Benjamin continues to be a rather distant afterthought. Really wasn't seeing him out there much at all until the end of the game. And also, everyone's favorite red zone vulture, Zach Ertz. Eight catches, 88 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. And he also drew a defensive pass interference penalty later where they were even trying to get him a third. So, 
hey, they're going to feature him like that every week, and that's fine. Just realize, everyone, we had the first game where Ertz came in. He had the long touchdown. What happened after that? A couple duds before this one. Because usually this offense is going to pretty evenly flow through all their guys, and we haven't seen many games with a guy like Cole McCoy having 44 pass attempts. So the Seahawks, I think, really being able to eliminate James Conner's efficiency in this one, led the Cardinals to pass, as did them just having the damn ball for most of this game. I mean, they had 77 plays while the Seahawks only went out here and had 45. So really just didn't have much opportunity for the Seahawks to keep the ball away from them. So that's why we saw all this volume. And boy, was it great for none other than Ron Dale Moore. Jalen Waddle-esque stat line here. 11 targets, 11 catches, 51 yards, and no touchdowns. A.J. Green also shot out four catches for 78 yards and looked pretty good doing so. I mean, went over the middle, some intermediate, uh, you know, just area contested catches where, hey, Cole put the ball where it needed to be, and A.J. Green made the tough catch. So the Cardinals, I believe, were one of those teams we listed that have a bye. Yes, they do, along with the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray will be back after that. We'll see on Chase Edmonds, but basically, James Conner, he is an RB1 as long as Chase Edmonds is sidelined. And then the hope is that Christian Kirk can provide some more goodness in future weeks, but it's going to be tough to even treat him as the upside wide receiver through. We have been seeing Rondale, A.J. Green, even Antoine Wesley basically equal his targets, if not exceed it. So Kirk could have had a bigger day. One of the sheeshes from this one was a four-yard touchdown late. That was initially ruled a touchdown, then later ruled incomplete. You know, I didn't get my eyes perfectly on the replay. I know some people thought he did catch it, so something to keep in mind there. Uh, but yeah, credit to the Cardinals, 9-2 and two going into that bye. Great day to be great if you're an Arizona Cardinals football fan. Quickly on the Seahawks because it is brutal for the three and seven. Russell Wilson led Seahawks. Russ just is not the same guy right now playing through this finger issue. And whether it's impacting his decision-making too, I don't know. But whatever it is, the result is not pretty. Took four sacks in this one, 14 of 26, 207 scoreless yards. Really, good stuff happened when he threw the ball to Tyler Lockett. He Fed him five targets. Tyler caught four of them for 115 yards. Other than that, it was rough. DK Metcalf just 31 scoreless yards in this one. Uh, he had almost had a one-handed touchdown catch, but just couldn't quite come down with it. Um, and also, Russ patented moon ball down the middle. You always expect to see a guy running free. Was not running free. He was in double coverage. But Russ, I mean, Metcalf almost came down with it anyway. Uh, truly, if you look at just the potential air yards in this one, uh, it could have been a much bigger day for Metcalf. And I actually do have the unrealized air yards leaderboard from this week up. And there we go. Number one, Jamar Chase with 100 unrealized air yards. And number two, DK Metcalf at 93. Gotta love when those stats match up with what you believe you're seeing with your own two eyes. Only other sheesh here, Gerald Everett came back from last week. We knew those targets probably weren't going to stick, and they didn't. Just four of them, three catches for 37 yards. Unfortunately, that last target that was not caught could have been a 10-yard touchdown, but Russ sailed it out the back of the end zone. So Everett will continue to be an upside tight end, too. Just realize he's going to be the number three option in this passing game far more weeks than not. And then quickly, just with, this, with our PFF Lily stat, to quantify the drop-off in Russell Wilson before and after the injury, because before, he had an 88-point FP. PFF passing grade. 
after 43.8 literally cut that in half and then take away more that's where russ has been 11 big time throws versus zero turnover worthy plays before the injury just one big time throw and three turnover worthy plays afterwards the yards per attempt as lily and Django are just besides themselves 9.6 yards per attempt down to 5.8 so Dwayne been rough for the seattle offense man and i think some of this running back usage just further complicates an offense that it's becoming harder and harder to trust in fantasy land yeah i mean look when you're going to be at 50 plays in a game you know they're 49 i think today and it is just tough to get anything you know out of the offense so and you need the hyper efficiency right that we're used to seeing with russ you know historically and we're just not getting that right now and so it is problematic. If you look at the running back situation, yes, like, wow, what a disaster. Um, last week, we saw it get down to just Alex Collins and Travis Homer, right? Collins handled most of the rushing attempts. Last week had 90%. And you had Travis Homer really handling, you know, all the long down distance, all the two-minute offense. Nope, just kidding. This week, that's going to be DJ Dallas handling the long down and distance offense. Travis Homer, you can just take a seat, little buddy, whatever, whatever, whatever. Pete Carroll calls him. I don't know. It may not be little buddy. Um, but Alex Collins did lead the team with 53% of the rushing attempts, but that's a far cry from 90. So I think, you know, what I'm starting to see with this team, Ian, is it really seems like once they get Collins to that 10 to 12 touch range, that's like, that's it. I don't know that it matters the percentage. I think they actually may be playing more with like numbers, like in their mind, like, hey, we want this player around this many touches. And we see this with different teams. Um, and it's less just about the percentages because you see once he gets – because early on in the game, it looked like it was going to be okay for Collins. Then he got up there. Then they started handing it to all these other players. So it's – it's you know, look, Collins is a low-end RB3. You're hoping for him to break a big play, which he really hasn't been doing lately. He looked pretty fresh early in the season, but not looking so good, you know, at this point, you know, in the year. Um with where we are with the Seahawks. So as far as the Cardinals go, I don't need to say anything about Lockett and Metcalf. You hit the main thing, 33% target share for, for Metcalf today. But look, when you're on when you're on 49 plays uh, in the game and 28 of them are, are passing, you folks can do the math. Like that 33% doesn't add up to what we want it to. And the 47% of the air yards, you know, okay, great. But we need more. We need more volume or we need more efficiency. We'd love to have both. We would just take one right now from the Seahawks. And unfortunately, we aren't getting it. As far as the Cardinals go... Uh, with James Conner, you know, the most interesting thing with, with Conner for me, Ian, is just like how involved they've had him in the passing game, you know, um, with with Chase Edmonds being out. Really, you know, we thought maybe Eno Benjamin would take over more of that role, and it just hasn't. Now, last week, Benjamin, you know, um, had a little bit of an injury, but we saw it again today with James Conner, 14% target share in the game, 64% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the two-minute offense, 87% of the long down distance, 100% of the short down distance. So, Connor, until we get Chase Edmonds back, which could be after the bye, he'll be eligible to return at that point. You know, Edmonds has dealt with a couple different injuries this season, so we'll see what happens with that. But who knows, Ian? Maybe it's just more of a time just to really let Connor be the lead back and maybe have Edmonds be more of the change of pace. I think you could say that James Connor has earned that. To your point, wasn't great from an efficiency standpoint as far as the um, rushing yards per attempt, you know, uh, were today. But look, he's been an he's been an effective player overall. You mentioned Zach Ertz. One thing I'll say with Ertz that's been interesting. You know, we didn't know if he could get his routes up over 80% and really stay there. Now, we still haven't seen a fully healthy Cardinals offense because we haven't had DeAndre Hopkins for three of the games now that we've seen Zach Ertz play. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but he was, again, over 82% of the routes today. Um, so even though, yeah, he did kind of have, he had a couple games that weren't great. I mean, they weren't, they also weren't terrible. They weren't Dan Arnold bad, right? We had a PPR <laughs> 14, 29, 11, and then, 
you know, wherever he finished today, probably tight end one, you know, um, with the, because he had the two receiving touchdowns. So, um, with Ertz, you know, I didn't expect, I expect him to be more around the 60%, right? Routes run more like what we saw with Max Williams. We always knew Ertz might be a little bit more of a talent, you know, than what we'd seen with Max Williams, but just the way they run this offense, we weren't for sure we would get there. Um, interesting note, like with Rondell Moore, you would expect like when you have that many targets, like, oh my God, like did he take over a role? No, he was only out there for 48% of the routes. <laughs> he was targeted. So stat of the day, out there for 48% of the routes, but targeted on 48% of the time he was in a route, right? So it's like that, uh, it's like Sex Panther, Ian, you know, 70% of the time works all the time or whatever. That's Rondell Moore. So he, he led the team with 26% of the targets, 21% to Zach Ertz, second on the team. Um, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, they all rotated. Kirk, Kirk led the team in routes again, 84%. You already mentioned, you know, that he was close to scoring a touchdown. And look, you just can't come through every single game. Kirk is the when when DeAndre Hopkins is not in the lineup, Kirk is really the receiver that I want to play on this team. And I don't see anything changing about that and the underlying utilization here. Just wasn't a great game for him. Right. I mean, I, I'm, he's still number one. Maybe we bump him down a few spots relative to where he was before, but that can depend on the matchup and stuff too. Certainly nothing too uh, crazy to take from that usage. Final one. We saved the worst for last. Chiefs beat the Cowboys 19-9. to Kansas City covered as a two-and-a-half point favorite. The under cash with ease at just 56. I mean, the Chiefs offense looked like they were continuing to be hashtag back in their first two, three drives of the game. And then it was really just back on the struggle bus for a lot of this one. I mean, you score 19 points. Mahomes took three sacks. Seemed like Parsons was in his hip pocket for most of the game. This was against the Cowboys defense that didn't have Demarcus Lawrence, didn't have Randy Gray. And yeah, it was still able to really hold again, what should be the best offense in the NFL an offense. I think a lot of us crowned that as before the season to fewer than 20 points. So I'm sure if you could tell the Cowboys, Hey, chiefs only going to score 19 points. Are you happy with that? Like, can we go ahead and play this game? They take that a hundred times out of a hundred. The problem is the Cowboys offense that scored at least two touchdowns in every game this year. Couldn't even find the end zone once on Sunday. It seemed like it was a pass protection problem, Dwayne. And we've seen this happen to Dak, where maybe Dak was a little bit banged up too, but the Broncos game, going back to 2017 when Tyron Smith missed those, uh, you know, four or five games that coincided with Zeke being suspended. Like, there's been these, there's been these instances where Tyron Smith is not out there. He's getting pressured, and it seems like it messes up Dak's like own personal clock out there because Dak took five sacks in this one, and even before C.D. Lamb got knocked out with the concussion, I mean, they were showing some replays, and uh, Aikman was talking about on the broadcast, like there were one-on-one situations for him to potentially go to his guy, and they weren't able to make it happen. So a lot of stuff ended up going Michael Gallup's way, and it was from the first play of the game, man. Gallup was open deep down the right sideline for what would have been a good 20, 30 yards, and Dak just sailed. It wasn't his usual self, and again, I think it more so comes to him not being comfortable because without Tyron Smith at left tackle, this offensive line cannot keep him upright. So We'll see what happens. It's a quick turnaround to Thursday night. We got Amari Cooper. He's already out. He's, you know, it's because he is not vaccinated with the COVID. So he's out 10 days, no matter what. And the way it lined up, you missed two weeks. So no chance of getting Amari Cooper back in this one. And now it's looking bad for CeeDee Lamb because he did suffer that concussion. Now needs to come back on the short week. 
that's problematic. And then you look at this Cowboys offense now without their top two guys and potentially without Tyron Smith again, and you kind of start to wonder, okay, are we looking at a true juggernaut or are we looking at a team that can't quite move the ball as well without their top two receivers? Hardly an indictment on these guys. We're seeing the same thing happen with the Titans over in the AFC, just a matter of reality that we happen to be seeing. So Dalton Schultz, predictably, I think GameScript maybe had a little bit to do with it, but we saw his targets get back on the right uh, page. When everyone's healthy, Schultz is not going to be the lead guy, but once you start taking away one or two, he can go ahead and start picking up his yards. The only other major note, and uh, I would just compliment Kellen Moore, at least for this one part of the uh, game plan, just a very, very cool play where Tony Pollard was in the Wildcat. They started running right, and Dak came uh, around, was lined up as wide receiver. Pollard does this, does this huge fake pitch to Dak, ends up keeping it himself, and takes it for a season-long 31 yards around right end. But, yeah, sledding was not easy going on the run or through the air for this Cowboys team. And then with Kansas City, again, like, you know, win is a win is a win. Good job going to the bye at 7-4 despite all these, you know, distractions and issues that have kind of been facing this team throughout the year i don't mean distractions is anything bad it's just you know they're the freaking chiefs so anytime they have a somewhat bad game everyone freaks the hell out about it but either way kelsey 74 yards and also had a rushing score where they lined him up gave him the ball and he plugged the head and then we got tyree kill nine catches 77 yards pretty nice floor for the artist known as ty freak quickly our pff lily status for patrick mahomes and i just want to point out again they have not fixed their offense. In their last five games, Mahomes has averaged 5.9 yards per attempt, 5.7, 4.5. Last Sunday night, 8.1, and then today, 7. Like, his top four games of the season, yards per attempt, still all came in the first six weeks. And his top five PFF passing grades all came in the first six weeks of the year. So, I'm not counting this as them being back like it was for that Raiders game. I think they got a lot of soul-searching to do ahead of this bye, but at least they got the win to go into it. So, Dwayne, obviously the big major usage note from here is this Kansas City backfield. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was back. Looked pretty good out there, and they even threw him the ball a couple times. And by a couple, I mean exactly two. But Daryl Williams did continue to be involved. What did you see with your handy-dandy utilization metrics? Yeah, Williams, 100% of the two-minute offense, 100% of the long-down distance, 100% of the short-down distance. So it could still be Edwards-Alaire working his way back, but we could also just have a committee moving forward. Um, I watched all of this game. Edwards Alaire looked okay, but man, he's just not an explosive player. Like, and I think we know that now. Like, it's kind of it's it's amazing. Like, there was there was ever a point where there was a debate in dynasty of Edwards Alaire and Jonathan Taylor. And I know hindsight could be you know twenty twenty, but like when you watch the two players, like it's just not close. Like, you right. could say everything you ever want nice about Edwards Alaire, and he does a lot of things, but like man, Jonathan Taylor just is dripping, oozing with this game-breaking talent that Edward Delaire doesn't have. So, look, we're looking at a – I think you're looking at a journeyman running back in the NFL. Like, I mean, I think – which, fine, he can be a serviceable back, but um, it's just, he just doesn't have the acceleration. Like, I mean, he can accelerate through a hole, but he's not going to accelerate away from defenders or break away. Like, he's pretty much, you know, make a guy miss, get tackled kind of a player. So, but he's in a great offense. So like, we'll have to keep an eye on the utilization right now. I think you got to look at him as a low end RB two, high end RB three. You know, if his role grows, it could grow from there. If, if the chiefs offense really gets going again, but that's really the biggest note from the Chiefs side of the ball. Nothing else over there from the Cowboys side, you know, as you know, well, I will say one other thing around the chiefs. I, I think you actually were very accurate. The chiefs early in the game, they did look good. 
Um, they were kind of moving the ball. The Cowboys changed a few things. And then really, like, Mahomes just struggled again. You know, they gave him – and they gave him some shots with the single high, and there was even some blown coverages. So I think, you know, Mahomes could have had an even bigger game. Um, but overall, he was trying to not force it, especially with the way the game worked out. They didn't have to. They were ahead of the Cowboys. I think that's really where Mahomes is starting mature and Reed's probably in his ear, right? Like, look, we don't have to do that. Like, we're in a game right now where we're winning. Dak Prescott looked off from the beginning, um, like you mentioned. First shot out of the gate, could have had a huge play. Dak really this year, you know, Ian has done a really good job in, in man coverage against press man. If you look at Dak over the season, 103 dropbacks versus man coverage, 742 yards, 14 touchdowns, one pick. If you look at him, you know, over the season, you take all that man coverage and then you add press looks to that. He's burned press man for 642 yards and 11 passing touchdowns, only one pick, eight big time throws, only two turnover worthy plays. Dak's accuracy was just off today. And you saw it like on the first couple of drives, first first play open downfield, you got an overthrow. Next play, C.D. Lamb open underneath about five yards down the field. He underthrows C.D. Lamb. He can't get his feet. He can't turn and get upfield quickly with it. And so there were just a lot of throws like that and I think you're correct as far as the accuracy sometimes Dak you know I think he's good and under pressure like he handles pressure he'll face it down but I think he is feeling it you know and I think it is affecting you know the throwing and maybe there's a little bit of a health thing too maybe he's a little concerned still you know with the ankle maybe he's a little concerned I did see him wincing you know one time after he threw a pass and you know how the defender's coming at the sack and it catches your shoulder like and we know that he's had the shoulder issues. So there could be some things going on, you know, there psychologically. I, you know, I don't pretend to know, but he has been a little bit off two out of the last three games. We saw the same thing two weeks ago and he had a really bad game. Now losing his top two receivers doesn't help because really Amari and CeeDee Lamb have been the two that burn man coverage. Um, Gallup was the most utilized player today for the Cowboys offense at 24% of the targets. He was out there for 94% of the routes. So he should be in line for a really big workload um, next Thursday, you know, we'll see. And I, it's probably going to be tough for Lamb to be out there. So it's probably going to be Gallup and Schultz as really the top two. Cedric Wilson was out there for 66% of the routes. Noah Brown got out there more as well, um, but he was not targeted near as often as when Wilson was out there. Wilson had a 23% targets per route run. Noah Brown only 6%. And that's been pretty consistent. Noah Brown's snaps seem to be much more empty in the passing game than what we see from when Wilson is out there. He actually does get looks. So I think Wilson and Gallup could be viable for folks on Thursday. Obviously, Dalton Schultz, 92% of the routes. Like this guy is like, you know, since we've had Jarwin out, like this is what we're seeing every single week. 19% of the targets to him. So he'll be heavily involved as well. So we'll see what the Cowboys can draw up for Thursday because my guess is, you know, they're going to see plenty more, um, you know, of man covers. They're going to see press and they're just going to say, hey, can these receivers get open? Honestly, I did not like the game plan today by Kellamore. I thought it was complete trash. Um, he didn't he didn't run enough quick hitting stuff with slants and different things. He kept trying to do too many things developing down the field. And even when he was trying to do the quick hitter stuff, he was doing too much with like screens and things against very aggressive corners that will jump those blocks. And so he got a couple of those to work out. But I think there's just other ways, you know, that you really scheme up these looks against these hyper aggressive, you know, cornerbacks. They never did anything early in the game to set things up for later for, you know, you didn't do anything with the quick outs or the slants to then come back and hit a sluggo or an out and up. Not that not that Dak would have had a ton of time. 
but those are quicker developing deep plays, right? Their anticipation, like you fake the slant and then you're, you know, you're going towards, you know, the corner route and the quarterback's already got it out. So I would like to see Kellen Moore do more of that. Look, obviously Kellen Moore's a better offensive coordinator than Dwayne McFarlane will ever be in, but I did have to call it out. It was kind of frustrating me today as a Dallas fan. That's the thing. Like, you know, we, we say all this and it's like, oh, you guys football coaches. No, but if, if we're going to use like you can't talk about anything unless you're like the top 1% of the top 1% of an expert on it, it's going to be tough for any of us as humans to really talk about much of anything. So just something to keep in mind. But I want to thank you all as always for tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And just to let you know that you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code FANTASY. All of our locked article content, weekly player rankings, strength of schedule tools, betting dashboards, all that and much more. Again, support the podcast and use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. And also Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Tis a season to load up on Manscaped products. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. And also, please, I invite you to download the DraftKings Sports app now use promo code pff bet just one dollar on any thanksgiving nfl game and win 100 in free bets if either team just scores a point as promo code PFF this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, everyone, if you are a fan of the Chris Collinsworth podcast, financial responsibility, fantasy responsibility, anything in general, I invite you to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions every week, which you can submit at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. Chris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Dwayne, I, I really thought we were pretty efficient with this one, going back and forth, and I look at my uh, recorder, and we're, we're back over the two-hour mark. So I want to thank everyone for listening to our Sunday night audio movies we got going on here, and uh, you know I hope they continue to be as actionable as we are trying to make them. So anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? No, man. No, we just appreciate everybody listening. And, and we'll try to get some good, uh, you know, we'll try to do a good job of getting, you know, the marks of where the different teams start on the pod for you. Absolutely. Working on those timestamps. Uh, if you don't see them up immediately, we do have interns hard at work on that. And uh, I invite you to, you know, refresh that, check again. Hopefully they will be good to go. Thanksgiving week is upon us. We'll be back with our usual um, schedule. I think we might be, I got to talk to my guy, Andrew Erickson. I think we might be moving up the DFS pod to uh, maybe Thursday or Wednesday. I got to figure it out, but we might try to give a little bit of a Thursday special before doing our usual business. Don't hold me to it. We'll see what happens. But for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.